I used to eat fuck all. The only thing I used to eat was a stunner meal a day, like everything. That's it. <laughs> Every day, cheeseburger meal or stunner meal. That was it. I didn't use. You to- don't get both. No. You pick one. <laughs> you pick one. Ready. Welcome to the Blokes Lab. Uh, thanks, mate. Thanks Special guest. <laughs> All right. So um, I'm curious, what got you into fighting? Let us know from the from the grassroots. We want to know the story. All right. Um, so I always was a fan. Um, oh, first and foremost, my father, he was actually a fan of fighting um, from a young age. Uh, sorry, I was a fan of it through he was watching it. Um, when I was a kid, he was watching it on the TV and um, – I just always used to sit next to him and like watch it, and he would watch like any like uh, the MMA, like the early UFCs, Pride, boxing, kickboxing, etc. Mm. Um, I had two older brothers. Uh, they used to beat me up a little bit, you know, <laughs> give us a hard time. Um, so we were always obsessed with like you know fighting in the Karate Kid movies and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, pretty much. Um, I asked my dad one day, oh, dad, I want to do what they're doing, you know, on the TV. I want to be, I want to do karate as well. So then he took me to the Taekwondo gym. And, um, yeah, pretty much from then on, uh, my first day in the gym, they could notice right away that I had a bit of natural talent. Um, and it made me feel good about myself too. <laughs> At the time, I wanted to, uh, in my head, I was thinking, well, if I learn martial arts, I'll be able to like give it to my brothers back. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, little did I know, like, you know, size comes into play. So, yeah, definitely. Um, no matter how skilled I got at six years old, I still wouldn't have beat them at 10 years old. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, just went down to the Taekwondo gym, had a talent for it. And for the first time, I actually felt like I was. Um, good at something, you know, um, and would make me feel good about myself. And then I pretty much never looked back from then on. Um, yeah, it's pretty much it, how, mm. how I started. How you started. So did you find you, you, did you get into competition at a young age? Yeah, I had my first, and I think that's also when my family realised how good I was at it. I had my first Taekwondo competition. I was eight. Um, it was like a big interclub thing, um, and I went in it and, Actually, at first, um, funny story, like they gave me the flyer because in the class they give flyers out and I remember they gave a flyer and they said, oh, take this home to your parents. It's for the tournament coming up if you want to go on the tournament. And then I remember giving my in the car and my dad picked me up, gave him the flyer. I said, oh, Dad, the tournament's coming up. I want to go on the tournament. And then he was thinking, oh, no way. Don't go in the tournament. They're dangerous. I used to do them back in the day. You get your teeth knocked out and everything, you know. He reckons back in the day when he was doing it here, like taekwondo, like no gloves, like no shin guards, no mouth guard. Yeah. Kids would get taken like, like brass knuckles. <laughs> yeah, so um, used to get cleaned up, right? So when I gave him that, when he used to do it, it was more like traditional, you know, yeah. whereas like like um, kids would really get hurt and stuff. So I was like, no, nah, what do you mean? Like. I want to wear shin pads. You got to buy me shin pads. You got to buy me gloves, and I got to get a mouth guard and stuff for the tournament. And he goes, "Oh, you're gonna wear all that shit." <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, yeah, like you know, you got to wear that. And he's like, "Ah, you'll be fine. Then, all right, I'll chuck you in." Anyway, I went and did my first competition, and I won it yeah, as a yeah, novice, yeah. and I competed up against kids <clears> who are like, and 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 in these competitions as well, there's no weight divisions. It's just. Kids, it's age brackets, mm. and you're that age, and that's it. Everyone fights everyone, and I won the competition. My first one, four kids who had um, – it was like the state, you know, state. Um, when I'm saying state, it's pretty much – I was training at a gym called ATI, mm. Martial Arts, which mm. is a Taekwondo gym, and they had like three or four gyms around Perth. Mm. Uh, well, the, the competition was in Malaga, so it was like 
all the gyms got together for that comp. And then um, my grandma came to watch me and my dad and I just like rinsed all the kids there and won the comp. Mm. And that's when they like realized shit. Like I'm, and even I realized I shocked myself. I was like, they realized that I've actually got talent. And then from then on, my dad was kind of like, you might actually do something with your life. You know, you might actually be able to do something. Then then he started paying a bit more attention to me, I guess. And, uh, you know, started pushing me, not pushing me, but then he started, uh, like for instance, my dad used to drop us off. We didn't use, he didn't used to stay and watch. Um, he just used to drop us all off and he'd never seen me actually spar or compete mm. with another kid before. And then seeing me do that, he was actually like, shit, you know, like <clears throat> you can do this. Um, and then from then on, he kind of like started staying and watching. And mm. then, then slowly that became coaching and, you know, yeah. as parents do, you know, <laughs> they think they know best. So yeah, you yeah shit like that. Did, so, did yeah. he end up buying you the um, pads? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I needed, him, the I needed him to compete. Yeah, yeah. Right. He complained about it. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, like, it cost me so much money. I believe this. You know, I was like, fuck, it's my first competition, you know? <laughs> He's like, I thought I'd get my kid in martial arts. He's like, yeah. the cheapest sport going around. He's yeah. like, fuck, I'm going to equip him. Yeah. 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 Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, you started off at, at doing Taekwondo. Yeah. Obviously, you started receiving love from your father and, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah. through yeah. through sports achievement. Yeah. So yeah. how did where did it, so how old were you then? I was eight when I did my first, eight. yeah first competition was like around eight. Yeah. So did you find that was a time where he really started to show more interest? Yeah, yeah. Before that, yeah. <laughs> before that, <laughs> yeah. it was just like yeah, he was like had a few things going on. Um, he was running like a steel fabrication business mm. and like. I remember at the time we'd all get ready to ta- for Taekwondo after school every day. We'd get ready and we'd be waiting and it's just a matter of our dad gets home in time to take us or not, you know, yeah. like and there'd be all of us in our gear and heaps of times we just have to take off the uniform. But when I started winning shit, then he made sure that he was home on time to take me to training. So, yeah, 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 yeah. for sure. <laughs> it's funny how like a lot of we all, we all look for um, love Yes. Yeah, particularly for my parents and for my father. And then, um, you know, and obviously you've, you're conditioned there. You got it from martial arts exactly, and winning. from winning. Yeah, and that's obviously probably started kick-starting. I mean, you won early, yeah. which got his love early, but yeah. also your confidence. But yes. then that's sort of probably the biggest thing that probably snowballed into. 100%, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, so, where we are now. Yeah, 100%, I believe so. Um, so obviously you didn't stay just doing um, Taekwondo or we wouldn't be here today. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um Where'd you go from there? They sort of went from. So I was doing Taekwondo, but at the t- like, and then I was competing in Taekwondo a lot. And then I used to watch, this was when my dad was a big like UFC fan, mm. and this was like early days. So um, he was watching it, and then I was like, oh, yeah, I, know, I need to do that too. And I already thought I had all the striking down pat because mm. at this point, you know, I'm doing well in Taekwondo, mm. fighting in these Taekwondo competitions. I think, yeah, I'm the king on my feet. I just need to lean. My dad goes, you just need to lean, learn a bit of grappling now, a bit of Brazilian jiu-jitsu, and um, then you'll be sweet, you know, and then by the time you're, you know, what, like 18, you'll be ready to go straight in the UFC. And I was like, yeah, yeah, sweet. So anyway, he took me to another gym in Wangara, which this gym claimed to have um, Brazilian jiu-jitsu. So I rock up on the first day at this other gym. Well, while still doing my taekwondo, I rock up, and uh, my dad goes, oh, yeah, you do Brazilian jiu-jitsu here. And um, the guy running um, the gym goes, yeah, yeah, we do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah, I'm a black belt. <laughs> I'm a black belt. You're never going to let a fucking sail go. <laughs> 
Yeah, I'm a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I'm a jiu-jitsu black belt. Little did I know what I'm talking about Japanese jiu-jitsu, traditional yeah, yeah, jiu-jitsu, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, sweet, got a black belt. Once anyway. you sign up, same, yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, that's like, I sign up and I start training. Anyway, I'm in this kid's class. And we're not doing any jujitsu. We're doing all striking shit. Yeah. And then anyway, it gets to the sparring part of the class. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll spar with these kids. I remember like, touching gloves and going. And then these other two kids in the class, actually younger than me, but same size, just kicked the fuck out of me. And I was like, man, especially with the hands, because I had all the footwork and the kicks from the taekwondo background. Mm. But these two other kids, like, just fucking put hands on me and I remember I started crying and I was like fucking my dad was shocked because he was like never seen me lose like that kept yeah. beating up in the sparring class and then I remember going out like um, after the class crying and be like I don't want to do it da, 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 all upset and then my dad was saying oh you need to throw hands more you know you need to throw your hands more and then my hands were pretty terrible and that's when I, my dad, <laughs> we had a plan to beat those kids. <laughs> we were at home. He, he had a plan. Yeah, yeah, he had a plan. Had a plan. <laughs> I was just, I was just, I was following along. <laughs> so um, he was saying, you know, you need it because I was just throwing kicks, but in Taekwondo, you have your hands quite low. Yeah. And these kids were just stepping in, landing hands on me. Yeah. So he's like, no, you need to do more hands, you know, like kick and then throw your hands and then get out of range. And I was like, right, right. So then I was practicing at home on the pillows and shit, all the hands. And then I went back and I actually started doing a bit better. Um, yeah, I started doing a bit better and then, uh, it obviously got to a point where obviously my hands were only so good that I needed to actually go to a boxing gym. Mm -hmm. And then that's when he's like, I'll take you to my mate's boxing gym. My mate used to box when he was a kid. We'll go where he used to go, (laughs) which was like the one room boxing club. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It's been around forever. Right. Mm -hmm. So I remember going down there, trying to learn some boxing and same thing. Went down there the first day, got my ass kicked by another kid. And then it was, now it was like. Now the, like, not a vendetta, but now it was like, because, you know, I got my ass kicked the first time, then we, we came up with a strategy to then beat those kids. <laughs> and then and then I went to this other boxing gym that I had this kid just, like, jab my head off the whole round. I was like, man, I suck. So then, then I started training boxing to get, like, good at my hands, you know. Mm. And then I had the hands and the kicks. Um, yeah, and then from there... Uh, I had I, back at that other gym. I went and like had a Muay Thai fight because I was trying to get competition. Mm. Um, I had a Muay Thai fight and um, I ended up like stopping this kid in like the third round. Um, and amongst that as well, like whilst I was at that other gym, I was also competing in these karate competitions because in my martial art. I was a black belt, like in Taekwondo. But then when I went to this other gym, they had their, their own belt system. Mm. So I was going there originally. I just wanted to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. And the coach goes, yeah, yeah, we do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. <laughs> and then I'm in the class doing kickboxing. And then by then it's too late. But, but, but I got surprised because I thought I already knew kickboxing. And yeah. then I got my ass handed to me, yeah. which then sent me down the rabbit hole. Not Jiu-Jitsu, but sent me down the rabbit hole of then learning how to box. Mm. You know? Then I started competing at this other gym at the same time, doing, like, these karate competitions. But I used to wear a white belt in those competitions. But really, I was, like, a red belt in Taekwondo at the yeah, time. And then yeah. I started winning, like, competitions <laughs> that. And all these other parents, they would – some of them see me from other competitions. They would were, they were scream out, he's actually a black belt. He's a black belt. Why is he in that division? He's a black belt. And I was like, no, no, it's a different martial art. <laughs> I was a white belt just, like – Piecing these kids suck. up. Used to compete yeah. like mixed belt anyway. But um yeah, that's pretty much um what happened early on. It's crazy with that, like when you got people in different martial arts, how like you have like like Kabib. Yeah. How he's like a world level yes. you know, grappler. Yes. And then if he does jujitsu. 
Yeah. He'll be a white belt. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then these other guys that they've never done, they, I mean, they've done grappling. Yeah. They could be Olympic champion wrestlers. Yeah. They go on a jiu-jitsu comp and they're, um, you know, they're white belts. So even when I competed in Russia, mm. we did the Worlds in 2018. Yeah. And um, I remember we, we rocked up there and I just got my purple belt. Yeah. It was when the World Cup was on. So we went to the ACB Worlds there. Yeah. And you're seeing all the Russian guys that are all, um, yeah, they're all like, it's like looking at a bunch of Khabibs yeah, and yeah, then a bunch yeah, of yeah, Sergi yeah, looking yeah, blokes. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. like you got all these different types of Russian guys that you see there. And then I remember seeing this and then these guys and they're all like warming up doing their wrestling entries yeah. and you see these fucking wrestling entries yeah, and they're like, yeah. you're like, holy fuck, yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. I'm fucked. Yeah. And, and you see, and then they're pulling out white belts and, oh, and, and, and I remember seeing a guy who had, um, he had guys. Uh, guy had a tracksuit. He was in the. He was in the Olympic team, Russian Olympic team, oh, and he's like this probably Mongolian looking guy. He is fucked, just jacked, and he was in the like eighty five kilo division. So he was in the. He was in the actual Olympic team. He came out and pulled out a white belt. Oh my god! <laughs> and then I saw him like he he did he did this fucking two flying arm bars where he snapped. Two guys' arms. Oh and it's the God. slickest, the slickest arm bars you've ever seen. And I just went, and this was this was the first day. I hadn't gone on yet. I was up the next day because I was a purple person. Oh, <laughs> I'm thinking I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna get fucking mauled. Yeah. So, um, and then like that was it. We were just watching because one of our other boys, he 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 went and competed that day. So we were there, we were there supporting him. And man, I was just going, what the fuck have I signed up for? And because uh, when you compete here, it's all yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah, it is in Australia. Yeah, yeah. It's all everyone's all friendly, and we're yeah, all like yeah, you know, yeah, jujitsu, yeah. nice, nice oh, circle. In general, yeah, just yeah, yeah. There, it's like, fucking hostile. Like no hostile. one, no one's. There's no fucking smiles. Nah. It's just a business. Yeah. Um, and even like in the when I had to compete in the warm up area, then you you know I had like you know in the warm up area I had like Paolo Mao next to me mm-hmm. and some of these other guys yeah. are like famous like black belt competitors, yeah. and yeah. you're getting all these guys practicing the entries and that, yeah. and you're pulling out blue belts, and you go oh, fuck, I'm in for a fucking bad day. But yeah. Um, yeah. fortunately, I didn't get one of someone who was excessively tough. But no, yeah. I actually did pretty well. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but yeah, but that's one of those things you pull out that and you just think it's it's yeah, it, yeah. technically they're not doing anything wrong. No, no, no. But no. it's fucked. Yeah. <laughs> like, if, yeah. if, if you if you got one of them, you're fucked. Yeah, or if you get a judo, like an elite judo black oh, belt, yeah. and he comes in a white belt comp, yeah, yeah. like you're done. No. And it's going, you get some guy, some corporate, some corporate guy who comes yeah, in, yeah. he's been training for six months, well, a couple times yeah, a week. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, fucking uh, done. Yeah, yeah, you're in the wrong place. No, you know? you're done. I think in Russia in general, just like, yeah, if you're doing combat sports in Russia, they're all going to be a bit harder than here. Yep. No, general. definitely. Like they're yeah. just harder people. Mm. And it's funny over there. You notice the it's like they're because they're wrestling. They're so fucking strong. Oh yeah, they're so much stronger. Yeah. And like they're they their wrestling's good, but their jiu-jitsu at the high belts isn't, no, isn't as good. Of course. So like yeah. when you get like the Brazilian guys who are over there, like oh, they're, they're yeah, black belts yeah. and that. Yeah, that yeah. that piece them up. Yeah. 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 yeah, but like definitely like white blue and even a bit of purple belt, yeah. they were so dominant. Yeah. But, yeah, once you went to the real technical levels, they yeah. can sort of still yeah. be able to manage them. But, yeah, no, it was yeah. nuts. Yeah. It was yeah. crazy. It's like um, talking about that, you know, judo, um, you generally the rule is what I heard is, like, if you're a black belt in judo, you're automatically a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Mm. When you come on your first day, the coach 
should give you the blue belt because yeah. you're a black belt in judo. Yeah, that That's doesn't what, always happen. That doesn't always happen. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't translate for wrestling because no, no. they don't wear a gi. No, no, so no. they just think it's like, oh, because you don't wear a gi, it doesn't matter. No. You know? It's like, dude, it's all the fucking same shit. It's, yeah, fucking, it's, it's fucking wild. It's fucking wild. With um, some of the training like you've done over the years, particularly as more going to your being an adult. Yeah. Um, some of the gyms, you know, you, you'll go to some of the gyms these days are all very, you know, a bit more prim and proper, they're mm. cleaner. The old school gyms were more mm. like rough, mm. rough sort of, you know, and from the people training there to the style. Yeah. Sort of what, what have, um, what's been your experience in with a, like different, like, different sort of gyms that you've trained at? As in like through adult, like more Yeah, recent? as in more as an adult, like uh, in the last, yeah, call it, yeah, since yeah. you've been doing yeah. more actual MMA. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> the gym we train in now, um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty rough. But um, to be honest, man, like you can get, like you get killers training in garages. Yeah. You know, where, yeah. where it's like people think that, you know, they walk into a gym and they think like, oh, yeah, it's got to be some big glamorous. you got to have all the equipment. Sometimes yeah, people nah. got all the gear but no idea. Yeah. You know, and sometimes, you know, world champs, they got like at the start anyway, it's like, They've got no gear, but all the idea, you know? Yeah, so, yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah, where I train now is, I mean, pretty, like, small gym. Um, yeah, like, rough. I mean, everyone on the mats, like, is a savage yeah. trying to break your break your limbs and that. But um, No luxuries. Yeah, no luxuries. No, no, no. Like, my coach, <laughs> Ramel, <laughs> he loves to put the heaters on. Um, <laughs> in summer. Even in summer. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Heaters on nonstop, and I'm dying. Like, I'm dying. I can't handle it. But yeah. you know what? Like, it's his gym, and it's, you know, that's that's fine. It's his rules, and that's it. But, you know, like, I'm dying, man. Like, yeah, even, like, th- the other day, like, 30 five degrees or something heat is on <laughs> just fucking it must have been like i reckon it was 60 in there and you're rolling so you got oh, a yeah. tight ratio on at the same time yeah. rolling as well yeah it's just very uncomfortable like i'm a fit guy but i do five rounds and i'm lying down i feel like i'm done like i physically can't i've got to go outside and lie down and recover for about five minutes you know <laughs> so yeah it's definitely yeah, it's not optimal, but you know that's it's his gym and and like you know obviously did, it breeds him tough, you know yeah. like breeds him tough. You know yeah. how it is sitting in a sauna; yeah. <laughs> it's fucking hard, right? You want to get out, and get a drink. That, that's the thing, also. Like I feel having that environment, like uncomfortable and rough and all the stuff, mm. it, it teaches you like certain things. And, oh. and I feel we've seen it in a lot of sports, even you know bodybuilding or uh, oh, yes. you know with the very old school gyms and oh, stuff that yeah. produce like the best athletes. I feel. Yeah. Training in an environment like that is probably even better. You know, yeah, because comfort, yeah, yeah, especially mentally. Yeah, because comfort a lot of times, you know, like when you get too comfortable, like you, yeah. you lose your edge. So actually keeping that is mm. is very important. Yeah, and the the thing is, it's like balancing. <clears throat> hard, hard training, mm-hmm. no bullshit training, yeah. and then balancing overtraining, balancing yes. injury. So that's where I think it's, um, yeah, it's an interesting, it's an yeah. interesting poetry. You have like the old like shooter box yeah. style, yeah. which is literally yeah. that knock yeah. you the yeah. fuck yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. And, then, and then you're rocking up tomorrow, yeah. sparring, and then you yeah. get knocked out again. <laughs> and then you'll fight your fights next week. Yeah. You probably got knocked out three times yeah. in the week leading into it. I actually it. reckon the worst out of all the training I've done, I reckon the most training that's been like that is definitely in the amateur boxing gyms mm. more than the MMA gyms. <laughs> I've had heaps more brain damage through doing amateur boxing mm. than I have in MMA. Mm. I haven't been concussed. I've been slightly concussed, like, um, 
doing MMA in the last, I've been doing MMA now for like four or five years, like actually competing, or oh, four years, when I go, 2019, so 2022, 2000, no, sorry, 2018, so four years, yeah, going on to five years, next year will be my fifth year of competing in MMA and training specifically MMA with the little gloves on, right? Mm. But I took the most brain damage through doing, I reckon, boxing. Like that's, boxing is fucking ruthless. Like at a young age too, like yeah. the hardest rounds I've done has been a young age. Like anywhere from, I had my first boxing if I was 10, right? So from 10 till my last boxing fight when I was 17, hard sparring twice a week, beat the fucking shit out of each other. You know, and in boxing, it's like you got big gloves on and a head guard, so it's all good. And it's like, but little do we know that that doesn't actually stop your brain from rattling. In my opinion, I reckon the head guard's nearly worse because it's actually weighing your head down and also blocking your peripherals as well. Mm. And you get this misconception with the head guard on because you don't feel the punches landing, but you feel the impact. Mm. You think that you're safe when you're not. No. You know, and then you go home after and you got a terrible headache. I reckon, and that was like, that was actually probably the roughest. My dad had a boxing gym. He had a boxing gym. Um, and we used to train just in a shed. So like no aircon, nothing, just a shed in an industrial area. Mm. And the, this is the training. This is the training. So this is the training. You First off, you start off 1.6K run. And the end is this, the end 600 meters is this fucking hill. And we're all young, so we're like racing each other. The run, I was doing the 1.6K in under six minutes, like as like an 11-year-old, anywhere from 11 till, yeah, 11 to seven, like gunning it. Then we get back, 20 minutes of skipping. Every two minutes doubles for a minute, for a minute, nonstop, for no stopping. After that, um, minimum. Uh, like four rounds shadow boxing and once again sprints in between there and then you'd go into your pad work or bag work or whatever it is and then you'd have like conditioning on top of that they get you doing push-ups pull-ups sit-ups all this <coughs> shit like all the body weight stuff and then you spar once you're fucked then you spar once you're completely fucked you know that's like that's that's how they do it in the boxing gyms so so each session two hours to 90 minutes two hours to 90 minutes and obviously all these people work during the day, so you got to try. You're doing one session, so you got to try and cram it all in. Mm. And then on top of that, I had my dad getting me up in the morning, getting me like when I was like ten. When when I when I booked my first boxing fight, he spoke to his friend who used to box, and his friend said, um, "He goes, oh, what does Cody need to do to make sure he's fit?" And his friend goes, he "Needs to run." He goes, "Oh, well, there he runs at the gym a bit." And he goes, "How much is he running there?" Oh, he goes, "I think it's about." 1.6K at the start, and then a few sprints and stuff. And he goes, no, no, he needs to get up every morning and run. So my dad is like 10 years old. I live like right across the road from a school, my, my primary school I used to go to, and there was a big oval on the school. And he used to get me every morning, wake up and go run uh, around the oval. I do 10 laps. One lap of the oval, pretty sure was about 700 meters. So I'm running like seven Ks every morning and then going to school. And then after school, going to either the Taekwondo gym or whatever, uh, the Taekwondo gym, or um, that other gym I was training at for a period, or the boxing. And then after that, I would go straight to the boxing gym and not eat anything. Just like, <coughs> you don't need that. You could just go train there. And that was just rough. Uh, and doing all of that as well, running, then running again, the 1.6K, doing the fucked up warm-up, then taking fucking terrible head damage like in the sparring. And not only that, it's like, because I was always quite small as a kid, all the other kids my age, they're actually a lot bigger than me. So I was a lot faster, but that's like when they would hit me, I'd be getting hit with someone 
by someone who's like 15 kilos heavier than me as mm. well. So that would do even significantly <coughs> more damage. And I would have only been 30 kilos at the time. So 15 kilos, like half my body weight. Mm. Some of these kids would be 45. So I'm getting hit by them. Mm. You know? And that, that boxing, my boxing career is definitely the most like brain damage I've had um, and the most roughest type sparring that I've had. The boxing mm. gyms don't fuck around, you know. Do you find the um, <clears throat> overtraining that you had at that age um, stunted your growth or affected 100%. your affected your yeah. progression? I feel so, yeah, 100%. So, you know, my, my dad's six foot uh, or just off six foot, just under. I don't know. I haven't measured him. <laughs> but he's pretty tall. He's taller than me. <laughs> so my, my, my older brother, my eldest brother, uh, he's also like same height as mm. my dad. Uh, my mum's not a short lady at all. Mm. But my grandma was quite short and my dad's dad quite short too. Mm. So I don't know. I feel like it definitely did stun my growth a lot. Um, I feel like... It's okay. Well, as a kid, yeah, it was definitely overtraining, which obviously at the time I didn't know. I was just like being told instructions, you know, just trying to, to go. The problem the problem with that is what I feel. Um, it, it wasn't more so the training, but it was actually probably the malnutrition that you were yes, having. Yes, I was not, not actually eating. providing mm. the right, like, you know, mm. fuel to your system for the amount of training that you were doing. What you used to That's a massive problem when you're growing. <laughs> <laughs> what did you used to eat? I was the fastiest eater as a kid, so like, I ate nothing. What I lived off was a stunner meal a day. That was it. A what? A stunner meal. You know, oh. <laughs> one of them a day. <laughs> breakfast didn't exist in my house when I was a kid. Wake up, shower, go to school. No breakfast. They're so, going to bring them back. It's, like, <laughs> right, it's a good value, bro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was honestly. Yeah, yeah. So, so imagine if you really break it down, like he's probably burning like thousands of calories oh, on bro. top of, of, of his baseline. Oh. You know? And and, a, and, and he's not and, and he's growing also like mm, as a teenager. Mm, mm. His hormones are, are peaking and all the stuff and he's <laughs> he's literally catabolic the whole time. Like that's well, that makes intense. sense because I was this is uh, when, when I won when I won my first national title in boxing. So he was living with mindset. Right? <laughs> Legit. Legit, dude. Yeah. My first nationals in boxing that I won was in 2012. It was in Tasmania. I was in year eight of high school, starting year eight, and I fought I was 32 kilos. That was my division. 32 kilos. At, at, I would have been 13 at the time. 13. 32 mm. kilos at 13. The next My year, dog weighs more. A lot more. The next year yeah. I fought, I was year nine in high school, I fought it. 34 kilos. <laughs> but I'm two kilos. In year nine. In year nine. 14 year old. Mate, I've got photos. Oh, I'll put yeah. these fucking photos out after and I'll show you how young. Dude, people thought I was legit seven. Like, I'm not lying. At the high school, one of high school, I was the shortest kid that they've had ever <laughs> for that age, ever, like, ever existed, like, at that high school. That high school's been there for a fucking long time. The shortest kid ever. I used to eat fuck all. The only thing I used to eat was a stunner meal a day, like, ever. that's it. <laughs> Every day, cheeseburger meal or stunner meal, that was it. I didn't use You don't get both. No. You pick one. You pick one. Yeah. <laughs> if you win a fight, you get a double. <laughs> I didn't used to get Abby meals because the toy doesn't matter. Like, yeah. What are you going to do? Toy makes you soft. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> toy makes you soft. When did I have time to play with a fucking toy? <laughs>
Yeah, so yeah, I was That's severely crazy. malnourished. Yeah. And I ended up, um, you know, it got to a point, I think I was in year nine, end of year nine, that my parents or my mum thought that it might be a good idea to actually take me to a specialist, a hormone specialist, because I wasn't hitting puberty, you know. I had no signs of puberty kicking in at all. They, <laughs> it's a funny story. They took me to, this is gold, they took me to this hormone <laughs> specialist, right? And I would have been, you know, it might have actually been in year 10. It must, because I left school in year nine. I was pulled out of school. Um to work for my dad I wasn't working I was training <laughs> so I wanted to leave too like yeah, uh, yeah I had You're no done. interest in school anyway I was just fucking around but yeah. um, anyway I must have been about 15 at the time so it would have been year 10 and my parents took me to see a hormone specialist and the lady got me down on the bed and it was my grandma there and my mum at the time um, and she just said oh I've got to you know you've got to go outside I've got to like Cody's got to get his pants off. I've got to have a look at his privates and stuff like that. See where he's at with his hormone development. Anyway, they, um, you know, she pulled my pants down and <laughs> she was actually, she was attractive. Like, this girl was actually hot. So, and I'm me being 15. I'm sitting there going, fuck, don't get an erection. And she's down there playing with all my parts. Like, not, she's not holding back. She's playing with all of them. Like, grabbing my, my balls individually. Like, Putting them next to this chart and seeing. Give me a little Western hand grip. That's the most action I've had at that point. Anyway. You thought you had some game there. Yeah. So fucking anyway, she does all her evaluation, whatever, pretty much like feels me up in the fucking bed. And then she goes, all right, put your pants back on, get my pants back on, sit back down on the chair. All right, uh, Emma, that's my mum's name. Emma, and you can come back in. That's my grandma. I'll come back in and go, right, now when Cody came in here, I thought that, you know, she had this um, necklace at the time, mm-hmm. this necklace, this green <coughs> necklace. I still remember it. And there was all sizes of, like, circles, circle balls on this, like, necklace, just, like, spheres right and it was like size one was like a fucking size of a pea and it was like size two it was like more like size of like a macadamia and then size three and it kept going up around the necklace she was like now when cody first came in here and my mum and grandma are sitting there i thought that his uh testes were going to be the size of maybe a four right and then this is like fucking size of maybe like i don't know like like maybe like a big macadamia or a big like hazelnut or something like that, right? <laughs> or maybe like a like Malteser size. And then um, she was like, really? His size is more around the size of the 11, which actually really surprised me. And my mum and grandma just started cracking up. Like, oh, big nuts, Cody, big nuts. Hey, like this. Got big balls, like, slapping me like this. And I'm just fucking so embarrassed. But at the same time, she was quite attractive. So I was like, yes. <laughs> Your dad would be like, you got it for me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, That's my boy. Yeah, it was, that was a big concern. So that... to. I know it's a bit of a tangent story, but to prove what you're saying is it was obviously from severe malnourishment that I didn't peak and I stunted my growth and didn't have the hormones of the other kids and stuff like that. And my friends at school, they all <laughs> they all used to give me shit. They used to call me Pindic. <laughs> Pindic because I was fucking tiny. And the, you know, you know the, funny, the funniest thing though? I lost my virginity before all of them. <laughs> so I was like, 
one day I was actually this girl at my high school, she was giving me shit one day. Like, she's like, oh yeah, fucking Pindic. And everyone's laughing, ha ha ha, you know, and I was like, and I'd already had a root at this point, you know, so I was like, hey, might be a pin, but goes like a sewing machine. <laughs> Chestnut checkers, baby. But yeah, definitely, um, definitely fucking. That's hilarious. Um, who's the couple of the fighters you looked up to as a kid? Well, I liked um watching MMA, I definitely liked um George St. Pierre. Yeah. He was a big one for me. Yeah. George St. Pierre, man, like, he was just a fucking athlete. You know what I mean? Mm. And um, so good everywhere. And mm. he he's diff- like, he would adapt to the fighter he's fighting. You know, a lot of fighters like, um, for instance, Connor. It's kind of like that. Someone like Connor, I feel like, makes people adapt to him. He fights the same. He's got your measure and he hits you and you go to bed. But I feel like... Why George is so good is because he would adapt to his opponent so well and on the mm. fly. But I reckon big influences like George St. Pierre. Um, I used to watch a lot of Floyd Mayweather as well. Mm. My dad used to love referencing Floyd Mayweather. <laughs> 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 so, yeah, a lot of Floyd Mayweather. So that was one of his favourite fighters? Yeah, one of his favourites, Floyd. He would always watch Floyd's fight. Why is that? Uh, I don't know. I think, like... <laughs> You know, like Floyd um, just being so perfect, you know, like yeah. that's his whole thing is like Floyd's fucking perfect. He mm. can't do anything wrong. Mm. Um, and he just works so hard. Floyd and <laughs> no, yeah, Floyd works so hard, man. Um, my dad used to say things like to me, like, because I'd wake up, you know, to go running in the morning on the oval. And I used to, I used to, sometimes I'd be running, my knees would start hurting so much just from the amount of training I was having. And I couldn't even run. It's so cold. Um, at the time, like in winter or whatever, my knees would be hurting. I'm legit in tears because I can't do my running around the oval every morning. And some days I would then run two laps and then I'd be in tears and I'd walk home. And I'd come in and my dad would go, what are you doing? Well, you've done your laps already. And I'd say, oh, damn, my knees are killing so much. He's like, what about Floyd's knees? You reckon Floyd's got sore knees? Huh? What do you reckon he did? He's like, that's all right. If you don't want to be the best, that's all good. I understand. If you don't, if you want to be a bum, that's all good. If you want to be a bum, that's fine. You know? It was just like, but just know, Floyd didn't get sore knees. He did his running. And he's like, you want to be a world champ? Then do your run. And, um... Yeah, from a young age. So Floyd was a big one. It was always like anything that I did, like because at the time as well, I was actually boxing more than anything because that's where I could get the most competition in. So at the time, it was always um, Floyd. It was always whenever I was like, oh, man, Dad, like I've hurt my arm training or whatever, he'd be like, be like I don't know if I can train today. It was like, ah, oh, whatever, like. Do you reckon Floyd skipped training? I would have been like 11. Little did I know, he was guilt tripping me. You and, you, and, you, and you look six. <laughs> I looked like I was six. <laughs> and you reckon Floyd would have skipped that? You know? I, like, you know, I'd be like, oh, probably not. And I'd just fucking go. Use the other hand. Whatever, you know? <laughs> you know, so, um, yeah, Floyd Mayweather I watched a lot growing up. Um, and as well, like... Everything he says and, like, what Floyd's done for himself too, like, as a businessman, how he's marketed himself. Mm. Yes, he can't read, but fucking hell, man, he is clever, you know? Mm, oh, man, he definitely. is the king. Yeah. Of he's the innovator. Who's done that in fucking boxing? Mm, no one, yeah. mm. you know? He managed himself, marketed himself, you know? So a lot of Floyd, a lot of George St. Pierre, um, but, yeah, a lot of Floyd. Like, yeah. What about fights in, in the pipeline for yourself? 
uh, pipeline is in uh, like sort of coming up. Coming yeah. Up. Mm. Um, at the moment, so uh, I've nominated to fight on all the promotions in February next year. That's kind of when they kickstart. Like mm. as in, there's an eternal on um, a day before the UFC in here mm. in Perth. I've nominated for oh, that. Just one day before. Yeah, there's yeah. one like mm. the, the day before the UFC. Yep, yep. Yeah, so I think the UFC Sunday morning, eternal Saturday night. So um, I've nominated for that. But um, also um, I've nominated for Hex. I've nominated for... Beatdown promotions, which is in March. I've nominated for a lot of um, promotions, but at the moment, nothing is confirmed yet. But it's looking like I'll, I might have a fight on Hex, which okay. will be a pretty big fight, which will hmm. be the 24th of February. I'm pretty sure it's 24th, I could be wrong, but um, yeah, that's what's looking. Nothing's confirmed yet, so can't really say much, hmm. but that's what it's looking like. How many times a year would you on the fight? Man, Ideally. I, was actually, I was actually thinking about this the other day. I, I was thinking, because, you know, since I've turned pro, I haven't been necessarily the most active pro. Mm. Weird because a lot of, like, it, throughout my childhood, I had little injuries here and there. But as I've gotten older, I actually suffered some pretty big injuries, like as in I ruptured both of my ankles. So um, that was the, the most severe injury I've done. Um, so I haven't been too active. But I was thinking, you know, I'm going to turn 25 next year and I don't reckon there's been a fighter that's had 12 fights in one year, 12 fights in 12 months. <coughs> if I'm healthy, I would love to be able mm. to do that. But I know that's unrealistic. Yeah. Especially in Australia. <laughs> I want to have six next year. Mm. Six fights. Do you, are you finding you getting difficulty getting matched up? Oh, mate, yeah. Ter- like, what do you reckon that is? I, I think, well, the thing is, before I went into MMA, um, I already, like, people in the boxing scene already knew, know me. I won nationals three times as a boxer. Mm. Um, I was always on the WA state team, so everyone in WA knows me. I had 33 amateur boxing fights. Mm. I've been training since I was a young kid. I've also been competing actively, not anymore, but back then in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, winning mm. Pan Pacific medals and titles and stuff like that. And I think that even before I had my first MMA fight, everyone in the fighting scene kind of knew already who I was in Perth. Mm. Um, so um, I think that's why it's been hard to get me fights in general because – I had an f- amateur fight, but really looking back, I could have even just gone straight pro mm. because of my accolades that mm. I'd done before. So that was always get hard getting <coughs> me fights. And then not only that, now what's hard about getting me fights is um, I'm obviously an MMA four and one, right? But my skills speak a lot higher than my record. People mm. know that I'm like I'm up there. I believe I'm I I can hang in there with the guys mm. in the UFC. I have no doubt about that. But my record doesn't say that. So for them to fight me, it's a risky fight for them. Mm. It's like for me, I've got nothing to lose. I know I'm going to win. I know I can win. Mm. But they've got the record, so they've got things to lose, whereas I don't have things to lose. You know what I mean? So that's what's made it hard for some of these top-tier guys who have mm. had, you know, 10-plus fights. They see a young kid coming up and they go, oh, well, it's probably not the safest fight we should choose. You mm. know what I mean? Um, feel- that, I mean, everyone's trying to get to the UFC, right? Of course, of course. You know? So, and managers, that's managers' jobs. Managers' jobs are, you know. Create the they, path. Yeah, you know, yeah. create the path to get there. And if mm-hmm. they see, oh, well, because all that matters is the record. It doesn't matter really who you're for. It just matters your record, man. Mm-hmm. If you're like 10 and 0, <clears> boom, you're going to get the shot. Mm-hmm. And even know? though you're 4 and 1, 
um, you're undefeated as an amateur. Amateur five yeah, fights, four, five yeah. fights. Five fights. Yeah, and and then you, and as a pro, you're four and one. You've yeah. finished everyone. Everyone. Everyone, everyone. in my MMA you finished? career, I finished. Yeah. yeah, and then the every one every win and the, and the and one that I didn't was the Steve fight. Yeah, and that was the one loss one you had was a three round. Like it was five a year on eternal, yeah, and it was a like wild fight, yeah, yeah, and to a guy who's UFC level, yeah, like essentially. So like it, like that guy's ready. He's yeah. Steve's quality. He's I took always- that fight as well on three weeks' notice. I was training, yeah. But when you when you train and you've got an opponent in mind, you can mm. do things to start to prepare. Yeah, I was looking for a fight and they couldn't match me up, and I was waiting and waiting, and I was still training. Hopefully they match me up, and then they go. You fight Stephen. I think it was even less than three weeks, like two and a half. Weeks. It was mm. before one of the CrossFit sessions. I was about to go into Dickness, mm. and Jazz goes, "Oh, got your fight. Like, you want to fight Steve?" And I was like, "Oh, fuck it, yeah, anyone doesn't matter, yeah. you know, yeah. like, whatever." And Steve at the time, I think he's a little bit older than me. Steve, he was on a tear, knocked everyone out, eternal champion. Like, mm. you know, he was mm. coming up to bantamweight um, to fight with me. Yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't get to prep. He was actually prepping for a five round um, title fight at the mm. time. Mm. So he was in top condition and not taking anything away from him. No. I'm not saying that maybe it would have went different. And that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just explaining on um, my end what, what I was doing. At of the course. Time, you know, of course. so early on in my career, most people would have gone, oh, fighting Steve S, oh, it's probably too early for you. Of course. You know? And you wouldn't have taken it. And that wouldn't have taken it. Yeah, yeah, of course. I don't give a fuck. You know? Yeah, like, yeah. i got to get it. What are you going to do? Like you're picking and choosing opponents, right? What are you going to do when you get in the big leagues? What's what's yeah. it's it's not mm. worth getting there and then getting the shit kicked out of you if you can't dominate the guys in your country first. Of course, if you can't dominate yeah. the guys in your country. You shouldn't be there. It's it's risky. I feel like taking like easy fights and all the stuff, and yeah, then yeah. having to fight like people that they are like way high guy. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden you're yeah. <laughs> you're like oh yeah. you know yeah. what, what's yeah. happening because <laughs> you're gonna get exposed. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and those all guys guys who avoid. Yeah. A lot of guys, they know, or they they avoid him because there's a lack of yeah. faith in their ability to confidently yeah. beat someone. Yeah. If yeah. they've got 100 percent faith, yeah. like Jake Paul, yeah. like that, <laughs> he, he won't take a fight that's 50 50. He'll only no. fight. He'll only fight a guy that he knows. Yeah. You're done. He's smart. And, uh, yeah, he's smart. He's, he's smart. smart. Like, and he'll 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 do that. And a lot of people. Yeah, and you can see why people do do that, particularly yeah. when they probably, yeah. I guess, know that they're. They may not belong there, yeah. and they might. If you can get a potentially easier path, you yeah. might get lucky and, and, yeah. and, and get a gig. And once you're there, you're fucked because yeah. you get yeah. exposed straight away in the UFC. So, yeah, you can sort of see that mindset why people do it. Uh, but I mean, for guys like yourself, it's frustrating. And yeah. in and in the UFC, it is because that's saying it's more in boxing where they really pad guys and exactly. and, ke- and keep them away. Whereas yeah. in yeah. in the UFC, guys can't really hide. Oh no! They get, they get the series itself yeah. is like they matched up two killers from mm. opposite sides of the world, mm. and they go fucking go at it, and only mm. one of them get a contract. Yeah, most yeah. Of, most of the time, only mm. one of them get a contract. And I feel like. Like that's the hardest thing with MMA is like you you win you win you win and then it's like you lose you're at the back of the line, one loss you're at the back of the line mm. you know that's re- realistic and then yeah. you got to fucking go on another five six fight win streak and everyone has a bad day of course you know? yeah like you like everyone has a bad day everyone also has a good day you know not every day is going to be your your best performance you know what I mean it's sometimes you might only just lose. Yeah. It might be close, you know. Mm. It's not like you got finished, but they don't care. They see the L on the record. That's mm. an L. Of course. You know, because you think about something like the UFC, such a big organization, right? 
There's so many fighters in the world. They don't have time to watch every single fight. Oh, this guy, yeah, but he only lost because he just did this one thing or, you know, they don't care. They've got, they need numbers on a piece of paper. They just see the L. It's just numbers for them. And they Mm. go, okay, yeah, 10 and 0. Oh, yeah, this guy. He's got to win a few more before he gets Uh, in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So momentum is very crucial. Yeah, very crucial. Exactly. But I feel like as well, because it is like that, that also makes people um, not take fights or not risk take yeah. because mm. it is such a harsh game. Yep. They yeah. don't yeah. take the risk, whereas, like, they probably could have got away with taking the risk, yeah. you know? Like, even that fight I had with Steve, even though I lost it, my stock legit went up from that. Yeah, of course. You know? yeah, of course. people, yeah. like, were every time where I go, oh, you you had that crazy fight with Steve. Mm. I said, oh, yeah, I did, yeah. And then my stock went up even mm. though it was a loss, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, it's it doesn't all have to be bad when you lose, you know. Mm. Like it, it seems you are a risk taker, or like yeah, even from your story that you were saying from before, like you know, mm. from a young age, you're always fighting people, oh, losing and then mm. coming back better, and yes. you kept improving, so that yeah. helped you grow, yeah, in so many different ways. Like, yeah, and yeah, who you are now. yeah. I'm super competitive, so yeah. like, and I'm competitive with things I care about, and I feel like. I have, like, things that I'm good at, I'm competitive with. Things that I'm not good at, I'm not competitive (laughs) with at all. But it's like, like, I'm like, I would have this thing in my head when I was a kid. It's like, if someone walks in the room and they're the same age as me and the same weight, they're immediately immediately like my enemy. I'd start seeing, and then they're a threat, and I'd be like, "Mm." especially in the boxing gym Mm. or something. Some kid walked in, he's like, I've had a couple fights before. I'm like, oh, yeah, what what weight? What, like, how, 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 like, what weight do you fight at? How old are you, you know? And then I'd be thinking in my head, oh, fuck, is this guy a threat? And I'm like, I wouldn't want to be friends with him because I'm like, no, no, he's my enemy. Mm. It's just like fucking kids, you know? But, like, from a young age, I'm very competitive. I'm very competitive, like, very competitive. So, um, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's crazy, man. Like, yeah, I just don't – and I don't like losing because when I was – obviously when I was a kid, it was always about you win, you get love, like, love yeah, and yeah, attention, yeah. you know. So I got addicted to that. Mm. And yeah. it's like you lost and it was like, you're ah, you're nothing. You know, you kind of mm. lost. Ah, you should have been – it wasn't even you're nothing. Like them words were never actually said. It was always like, you're fucking better than him. Yeah. Are you fucking serious? Mm. You're heaps better than that kid. Mm. What the fuck were you doing? How would you get hit? Mm. Why were your hands but down? How, how you internalised it all. Yeah, I – exactly. Mm. I fucking took it to heart. And I yeah. then, then what actually happened is – I started putting a lot of pressure on myself as a young age. So I actually started developing like quite bad anxiety, even mm. to like do sparring in the gym because mm. I was worried that like if I got hit with one punch after the sparring session, I'd get in the car and my dad would be like, how'd you get hit? It's like, I might've hit the kid about 300 times, but he'd be like, how'd you get hit? So you got hit that one one time. Floyd like, oh. didn't get hit. I'd be like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what it would be. It'd be like, 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 yeah, it's like, oh, I only got hit once. He's like, you think Floyd got hit? Yeah. <laughs> think Floyd got caught? Have you ever seen Floyd get, I was like, fuck, man, like, you know, can't all be perfect. You know, it's like, well, Floyd was perfect. You know? <laughs> okay. So, you know, not, not to that extent, but along the lines, you yeah, know, yeah. I'd have to, yeah. I've taken a lot of punches, so, you know, yeah. I can't exactly remember pinpoint, but, yeah. you know, along the lines of that so I actually like put a lot of pressure on myself and it actually I mean, like I love the sport but I also um, put so much pressure on myself that it was like a love hate thing you know mm. I loved winning and I loved but it was more like when I won it was a relief because now I can be like loved and now I can actually chill it's like if I lost then I'm like fuck like this is mm. going to be the worst thing ever for me you know so when you did have that one loss yeah 
Oh, you mean how, recently? Recently, when you lost to Steve. Yeah, yeah. Yep. So, how did how did you? What did you? What, how did you feel during that period? And what sort of what changes did you make, or how did you grow from that? Um. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, in general, I had a lot of um. Uh, my my training re- regimen, like I was going through a transition period. I used to train over, out of like Karinga Jiu Jitsu, right? mm-hmm. and I used to do my MMA there, and then. Uh, I moved on to train at uh, Louis Show Combat Academy, and I just had a couple people around me at the time um, who were kind of toxic um, towards me and kind of um, like kind of not not using me, but just w- maybe wanted to be there like yes men. I had a mm. few yes men around. Mm. Soon as I kind of, after that Steve fight, I realized that I needed to cut off certain individuals, and I really needed to. Um, not leave my training down to chance and eliminate all the, which is like, even if I won that fight, I would have still done the same thing, mm. um, and which I did. But then I realized that that wasn't enough and it got to a point, I did feel a little bit depressed after losing that fight. Um, not depressed at the fact that I lost, just a bit depressed that someone was actually better than me. Mm. You know, like that, that ate me and then started eating me alive a little bit. And that's when I realized that I did have like a lot of traumas and stuff like that, that I needed to resolve, which had been going on since I was a kid. I've had a lot of past childhood traumas and I actually seeked out some help. Mm. Um, I needed some help and I'd always been talking about, you know, going to speak to someone and going to Mm. see someone, but then it's kind of like you need that big smack in the mouth, you know, mm. life like needs to give you that, that wake up call. And for mm. me, it was that Steve fight. And I realized something deep down within me wasn't right. And that I needed to fucking sort that out before getting my next fight booked. If I actually want to progress further in life. And that's when I actually stuck to my word and came, came to you, Theo, and yeah, for support, yeah. asked for that support. And I did 10 weeks of a big, um, spiritual um healing journey with um theo which was fucking intense and um what came up oh for me it was a lot of lot of childhood trauma um i actually yeah i was it was a lot of my problems come from childhood trauma but not only that like just the whole you know my belief system my identity everything i'm known as cody the fighter you know removing that completely and just my inner child was so suppressed through, I never got to be a child. I never got to do things that, you know, regular kids would do. Regular, like, like I didn't get to, you know, do this. It's like being a kid. Yeah, mm. big part of it. That, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. Like, but the thing is with Cody, um, it was very important, first of all, to identify like what was happening inside his mind. So we can see like the chaos and the stories that he had and everything else and break things down. You know, but the first thing that, that we identified it was what was happening in his physiology. It was not normal for him, you know, like the amount of training that he was going, not fueling his body. You know, his body was breaking down even when, when I started asking him that question and all that stuff, because, you know, with my background, I can't really see it straight away. So we had to really make a, pra- a plan, not only how to actually sort out like what was happening internally, but also to help him you know, start like uh, making progression like with his body and his hormones mm. and everything else. Mm. It's very, very important. Definitely. Because doing also that work, which is very, very hard and intense, you know, you really need to have the resources and your body and your physiology has to be like in a state that can really you know, be resourced and, and handle it. 
Mm. And you would have really understood that. I mean, you're, I mean, you, the way that you were brought up and the way that you were experiencing pain and tried to numb yourself was through training. Yeah, through training. Yeah, and you probably didn't realise that till then, oh, until no. you until yeah. you sort of got that work done. Because a lot of people, they'll think, um, you know, they'll run away from, I mean, we, we all have behaviours that we all, you go to to sort of numb ourselves from not wanting yeah. to sort of feel what, we want, what we're supposed to be feeling yeah. and supposed to be expressing. And yeah. a lot of people will be, whether it's, you know, Porn, alcohol, drugs, yeah. phone time, food, video games, you know, watching Netflix, whatever it is, yeah. you know, talking negative shit to people, anything gets all that dopamine, but a lot of people don't. Um, they're almost more, the, I guess, a bit more obvious ones, but a lot of people don't overtrain, like going all in into training to run away from your problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then another ones that a lot of people do is working. Yeah. So like, it's almost like building a career and getting fit can – they sound like they are two yeah, good yeah, things, yeah, yeah, yeah. but if they come from an unhealthy place yeah. and from masking uh, pain and, and, and a lot of people, and it's super common. We yeah. saw that during COVID when gyms closed for four months and you saw what fucking happened to people. Yeah, 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 100%. Like just absolute meltdowns. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then they got to substitute <laughs> their, their, their numbing device. Yeah. Because a lot of people then are like, oh, shit, I can't try the gym. Yeah. So what they do? Yeah. Go to go to food, go to go this, to go there, and they all fucking that. blow up, or yeah. they, they go to these <laughs> other vices um, because because same thing because they're just transferring yeah. the pain from one numbing device to the next, yeah. um, and being able to I think understand the the fact that you mean you got to go through that to realize that you're overtraining, yeah. you know, as and as, as a numbing tool, and that was that was yeah from the fear of failure, yeah. from the conditional love from your father. So I yeah. um, for meeting Theo like. You know, the, the great thing is is also that I actually had um, – I'd met someone, like, which is now my partner, that was able – like Zoe, she was able to also realise what I was like before doing the work and afterwards and actually be able – like, this is the type of – this is how fucked I was, right? Think of this. We would go out for a meal somewhere, okay, and then the next day I'd wake up and I'd go on the treadmill and I'd be going 10, 12 Ks – with headphones in, calling myself a piece of shit just to make up for going out for that meal with her the day before. She'd be like, what the fuck's wrong with you? Like, you're fucked in the head. You mm. need to, like, stop. Like, what is – I had this huge fucking eating disorder, this mm. huge fucking problem. Mm. When I started doing work with Theo, then I stopped uh, feeling negative about enjoying myself because I've never had enjoyment and, like, I've always felt guilty about enjoying myself, mm. you know? If I didn't train – before doing the work with Theo and work on myself, if I didn't train, I would feel depressed. That mm. whole day I'd just mm. feel fucking empty. Like, what is my worth? I feel like a piece of shit. Like, mm. why am I here? What If I can't train, what am I? And I legit say that to myself. Like, you're a piece of shit. You didn't train today. And this was all my father in my ear. Mm. You're a piece of shit. You didn't train yeah. today. You're that, a fucking bum. And I remember in the beginning also, like, I kept asking him, okay, so... When you're not training, like for example, on that weekend, when you have some time to actually spend with yourself, how do you do it? How do you feel during mm -hmm. that? And it was straight away for him. Like, yeah. he realized I cannot stay with myself. I cannot sit down with myself and, and the voice inside my head. Yeah. That's why he always had to, to, to run away and go and train so he won't be with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, big time. That was a real big one for me. Like, um, yeah, like you said before, um, training is great, but it's your intention behind it. It's like, why are you doing this? Are you just fucking punishing yourself because that's your belief system? Mm. You believe you need to? It's it's the intention behind it, you know? Are you getting better from this training or are you actually overtraining and working yourself for no actual good reason, you know? And 
I've done that my whole life, you know, like overtrained to the point just because of belief. And I'm very grateful for having my dad actually push me from a young age because it's taught me a lot of things. Mm -hmm. It's taught me mental resilience. It's, Mm -hmm. It's taught me work ethic. Work for shit that you want. Mm. And not only me, my dad, but my grandma as well. She Mm. was um, a very big part of my life. When I was a young kid, like, I had, um, like, a lot of issues at home, you know. Let's just say my parents weren't necessarily the most law-abiding citizens. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, my grandma raised me for a lot of that time. Um, And she, you know, grandparents always do a better job because, They've had their chance mm. and everything they did, they fucked up on. They get a second chance mm. with a grandchild, right? So she raised me since I was a young kid. So she was the only one in my family that I actually felt unconditionally loved. Mm. She's the only one who made me feel unconditionally loved. And we were very, very close. She used to take me to training. She went to fucking Brazil with me. She came to Brazil with me when I went there for jiu-jitsu. When I was like 16, I got my blue belt in Brazil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, she came with me there. Yeah. Fucking hostile place, right? Yeah, of course. Like, um, yeah, man, we were that fucking close. Um, and then she, I went to America to compete in the Worlds. I know we're going off a little bit off track, but I thought I may as well tell you whilst I'm here. I went to compete in the Worlds for jiu-jitsu. So my last boxing fight had a bit of a bad, like, um, concussion. I kept getting concussions, like, that whole year, just even in sparring. And it got to a point, I had my, uh, one of my, my last boxing fights when I was 17, I had a concussion. I said, you know what, I'm going to give my fucking, I need to give my brain a break. I mean, even my parents agreed on it, too. My dad and I was like, yeah, maybe you should try and see what happens with jiu-jitsu. Because I was always doing boxing and jiu-jitsu, boxing and jiu-jitsu. But when the jiu-jitsu season was happening, that's when the boxing season was happening like you know you win the nationals and then if you win the nationals you can you can do the fight offs and if you win them then you go on the olympic team and then if you win them you can go fight in the worlds mm. and then you win in the worlds and you go fight in the olympic games there's always the olympic games but with having all this head damage i was like you know what fuck it i'm 17 i was like i'm gonna have a year of doing jiu-jitsu because my coach at the time fabio said to me oh, do you want to go and do the world? You go do the world. You know if you win a world title in jiu-jitsu you get to the ufc like that's a big that's a big accomplishment so I always put it off for boxing instead because that mm. was more a priority. And then um, I one year I went and competed in the Worlds in uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Anyway, I ended up losing in the quarterfinals. And then I stayed in California for three months, which was uh, 2000 and, end of 2017, early 2018. Stayed in California for three months. And I actually just went back to a boxing gym over there because mm. I hadn't done it for a year. I, I spent a whole year just doing Jiu-Jitsu. Mm. When I did boxing over there, obviously took some more brain damage, <laughs> like worse than ever. Because in America, they train, they do minimum amount of the age, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 10 rounds. And you come in, you warm ten up, rounds up 10 rounds. Mm. And, and three and times you, a week. Three times a week. Head guard, big gloves, lace-up gloves, fucking the whole lot. No matter what age, whatever, 10 mm. rounds, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Mm. And it's a lot of rounds. And you got kids who are – I was sparring with guys who trained with Mikey Garcia and people like that, sparring with a guy who was, like, number three in California at the time, you know, fucking guys who were high level and just getting the shit kicked out of me. Mm-hmm. I thought I was a good boxer, right? Over there I was getting made pits. Anyway, took more brain damage. Anyway, came back to um, came back to Australia – and my grandma picked me up from the airport and came back living in my mum. And my grandma apparently hadn't been too well. And she was like, she's a very strong lady. And she um, she uh, ended up 
um, going to the doctor. Well, she wouldn't go to the doctors. That was her first problem. She was always in denial. Like, no, I'm fine. I'm fine. Soldier on, you know. Um, so she retired from cleaning that year. She cleaned her whole life, and then she retired that year. And as she stopped, she ended up actually getting, which we didn't know at the time, but she ended up getting, like, leukemia. Um, and it was, like, a rare type of leukemia where you get it and – uh, they, the only way they would find out is they had to take a bone marrow sam- uh, sample from her hip and they did that and then they found out that it was actually the type of leukemia that you're born, uh, that kids are born with and they die immediately. So she's only like the second <coughs> case in the entire world to develop this type of leukemia at so that rare. age. So mm. rare. The doctors were like, what the fuck? Anyway, so they pretty much told us, and I went with them when they were to, li- to deliver the news. Me and my mum were there because, and my auntie because we were all very close to my grandma, and they delivered the news and they just said, you know, you haven't got long and we don't know how long, but it's already affecting your chromosomes. It's already in your DNA. Um, we've run chemo, but it's not going to help. Or All it's going to do is we're going to try and give you a better quality of life. And she went from fucking fit lady running her own cleaning business her whole life. She wasn't even – I think she passed away. She was 70 years old. She retired at 69, and then she ended up getting this, like, severe illness at 70. Never drank, never smoked, healthy as fuck. Like, just – and, like, at a workhorse, man, she was the matriarch of our family holding it all together, you know, big responsibility. She was, like – my grandma, like, I would call her up at, like, 2 a.m. because I was petrified of spiders, like, petrified. <laughs> and I had no fly screens on my windows in my house. All the fly screens have been ripped off for whatever reason, you know. Um, so I'd open the window at night, but then obviously bugs would come in and I'd wake up and there'd just be a huge spider and I'm, like, arachnophobic, bad. And I'd call her up and I'd be like, Grand, there's a spider in my room. I need to come up to your house and sleep at your house. I was, like, 12, 13 at the time. She would legit get up. I can drive 20 minutes to pick me up and take me up to her house and I'd sleep at her house. Like, she would do anything for our family, anything, right? Then she ended up getting sick and then I decided I was having some trouble at home at that point, um, um, just, like, not getting along with my mom and that. So I'd actually moved in with my grandma. in, And that's when, like, I could see her every day declining to that point when that was fucking... Like, now that I think of it, I regret it because... <laughs> I was in so much pain seeing her go through that because we were so close. She was like my mum and dad combined. I was in so much pain and I used to numb myself. And the way I used to numb myself was going to training. Mm-hmm. So I would legit go to training. I wouldn't even speak to her someday. She'd be sitting there, hi, Cody, and I'd like ignore her because I couldn't like – and we're so close. I couldn't deal with it. And I used to suppress myself so much. And it's funny because all I've done my whole life is trained that my family actually said to me, like, while she was dying, they said, oh, no, Cody, go to training. Like, my granny even was like, make sure you keep going to training, you know, keep going to training, don't stop training. So it was always like training. But I was using that as a numbing mechanism. Mm. When she passed away, I was in so much pain and I moved. My grandpa sold the house. I was living with my grandma. Then I ended up having to move to my own apartment on my own in Joondalup. And obviously no one around on my own in June up in my own apartment. That's when I had these fucking voices coming in. And I was fucked. Like, I, because I didn't mourn the death properly, I just got on with it because my parents were like, you know, everyone in my family, Cody, just keep going to training. So I was fucking, my grandma, and that's when I had my first MMA fight. So what happened with my first MMA fight? I know it was a bit of a tangent, but... My grandma, she, I came back from America and then I said, right, I want to do MMA because the cage band got lifted. I was 19 at the time 
the cage ban had been lifted because before then it was banned and Rob Whittaker actually cut the thing and Mark McGowan was the guy who allowed the cage mm-hmm. to actually um, to fight in a cage again in Perth. So the first show we had here was at Metro's and it was Hex. And I went and watched that and then I was like, fuck, the cage is back. Now I can actually do MMA. So then I said to my jiu-jitsu coach at the time, Fabio, let's do MMA. And I got into MMA. Anyway, I had a meeting with um, the eternal promoter and he actually said to me, look, I've heard a lot about you. I know you haven't had an MMA fight yet, but it's going to be very hard to match you up. And I said, okay, no worries. Anyway, I was training and I had an opponent to have my amateur debut. And then fucking two, a day before the fight, day before, my opponent pulls out. I get a phone call from the promoter. Oh, you're your opponent's pulled out a day before a fight. And I think, fuck's sake. And two weeks prior to that, I've gotten, like, I've gotten, when I've gotten the news at the hospital with my grandma that she's only got fucking three weeks to live, pretty much. They were like, you could die at any point. Like, we don't, we can't give a time on it because it's already infiltrated your fucking hormone. Oh, sorry, your DNA and stuff like that. The cancer is now a part of you, etc. We can't get rid of it. So at this point, I'm like, she's going to clag it at any day now. So, like, fuck, I better have my first MMA fight, which was my dream all along, to get to the UFC before she passed away. So I said, can you get me another opponent? Is there anyone? And Ben, the promoter, goes, all right, give me a call back. Um, give me a second. I'll give you a call back in an hour if I've got anyone. So I'm waiting. Fuck, I'm meant to make my, make my debut tomorrow. And they call me up. They go, oh, um, Cody, we got your opponent. You fight Dan, Mini T. We fight Mini T, and Mini T is a world champion in Muay Thai, mm-hmm. been fighting far longer than I have professionally. Mm-hmm. I actually remember I fought on Domination 6. It, I was the first fight of the card, fought this kid from Thailand. Mm-hmm. The second fight on the card was Dan Williams mm-hmm. versus some guy, a like full Thai rules fight. Mm-hmm. I would have been twelve. I would have been year seven at the time, 12 mm-hmm. years old. He would have been, however, I don't know, he's what how old's Dan now? 20 years old. 26, Yeah, he would have been about four or five years mm-hmm. older than me. Yeah, yeah. And they offered me him in my first fight. And you know what I did? I, I, as soon as I said his name, I went, fuck, in my head. I said, like, I do not want to fight this guy. I said, let me get back to you. First thing I did, hung up the phone. I called my grandma. First thing I did, called my grandma. I said, Gran, my opponent's pulled out. They offered me this guy to fight. Um, he's really good. Muay Thai world champion. What should I do? Should I take it? She goes, Cody. I know you're better than anyone. Fuck him. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I hung up the phone, called Ben back, and I'm shitting my pants right now. <laughs> I, I call him back and I go, yeah, I'm fighting. I'm on. Let's do it. And I rocked up. And I remember that day, that day before the first, like, I had to sleep the whole day. My anxiety was so bad. My mom, every day I have a ritual when I fight, my mom would cook me a steak. That was like the thing, a steak for whatever reason. After you weigh in. No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, the day yeah, of the fight yeah, was steak, yeah. always. In boxing, whatever, any tournament that I had on that fight day, steak every day. And um, my dad would always be, leave it a bit bloody. The blood's good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so I'd eat the steak and um, I, I couldn't even cut the steak. I remember I was so fucking scared that I was about to fight this monster on my first MMA fight, having no professional experience. Yes, I've fought amateurs, but I've never had a professional fight other than I did have one um, professional fight when I was like Muay Thai, when I was like Mm. that card we fought on together because I fought a Thai kid and in Thailand you only fight professionally and they flew him in here for me to fight him. But anyway, um, so I never had a like 
you know, a, a professional fight or one if that. So I was fucking shitting myself. I couldn't even cut my steak. I'm like fucking shaking cutting my steak. And I remember I couldn't even eat. I felt so sick. I just had to keep going back to bed. I kept waking up. As soon as I wake up, I had to feel this overwhelming sense of anxiety and fear to fight this kid. But I knew in my head my grandma's fucking going to die and she's going to see me fight before she dies. That's what got me through. And I rock up to the venue and I'm fucking shitting myself and, and people are coming up to me in the changing rooms and going to my coach, Fabio, at the time. You know who he's fighting, Fabio? You know, and I can hear him and I'm trying not to visit. You know who he's fighting? He's fighting world champion, me too. Like, are you sure this is a good idea? And Fabio's like, hey, it's okay. He knows jiu-jitsu, you know. We'll see what happens. And I'm fucking shitting myself. Anyway, so then we go into the fight and in the first exchange I end up taking him down, jumping on the back, his back, and then choking him out within mm. like a minute or something. Mm. And everyone goes fucking wild because it's like, holy shit, who is this kid who's just gone and done that? Like, mm. what the fuck? Listen, mm. like, you know what I mean? And Mini T couldn't get a fight either because he wanted to have a, an MMA fight. No one would fight him as well because mm. of his Muay Thai record. No one in, in the whole of Australia. Yeah. And he fights in 1FC at and, the moment. And, yeah, 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 professionally, yeah, yeah. Professional. And yeah. at the time as well, he was the champion camp in the cage Muay Thai organization mm. so the cage Muay Thai they wear the little gloves mm. I th- I'm pretty sure it's I'm not sure I could be wrong but I'm pretty sure it's John Wayne Parr's promotion mm. yeah I think it was, he, yeah. Fought on. Yeah. he was the champ of that at the time so no one wanted to fight him and I and credit to him as well because he wasn't in any shape to fight but he just took the fight because he's a cowboy you know mm. what I mean mm. so I was so scared I took <laughs> that fight and I ended up one being victorious and um yeah, that's that's was why I took the fight because my grandma. I didn't know how long she had left, and I legit needed to. And our plan, you know, like Khabib talks about, like father's plan. Mm. My plan was all along was one day to eventually do MMA. So I did boxing for boxing to get better hands to do MMA, jujitsu for jujitsu to one day be a good grappler in MMA. Mm. You know, Muay Thai, so that I had the kicking experience and the ring experience for. MMA. It was mm. always for MMA, for the mm. UFC to put it all together one day. And that's what I did. Um, but yeah, so then shortly after that, I had a couple more fights and then my grandma ended up passing away and I didn't I didn't process it properly and I was fucked and that was eating me alive. And I remember even then, I, w- I probably at this point I probably hadn't even met you yet. No. And I was so fucking torn, dude. Like mm. just I didn't know I didn't know how to deal with it. I remember calling up um one of my my cousin's grandma and just saying, like, Pearl, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I don't know if I can do this. I felt like not living. I didn't know how to – I couldn't live with myself, the own voice in my head. I just – I didn't want to be here. I was fucking in a bad way. And then um, I never dealt with that issue. I never actually mourned the death of my grandma. And only until we actually did the work, a lot of the experience I had, a lot of the trauma that I had come up was all that pain from losing my grandma. And, and just the childhood bullshit that I uh, that I had to go through, yeah. um, which was fucking hard. And, yeah, before I met you, um, yeah, I, uh, if I hadn't gone through that, like, God knows where I'd be. I feel like that was what was holding me back. Mm. So after I lost that Steve fight, all these things, I went, you know what, I need to sort this out because that is the only thing that's holding me back. I have the, I have the drive. I have the hunger. I work hard. I'm very talented. I've done everything properly. I've had all the experience in all the separate disciplines. My bases are all covered, but the biggest base of them all that wasn't covered was like my inner peace, my Mm. inner peace. I was just fucking, it was in turmoil. I was a fucking wreck inside with what was going on in my mind. And yeah. until I did the work with Theo, I was able to really get to the bottom of all of that. And actually, the first time that 
I had an experience with mushrooms. It was funny. Theo was actually massaging me on the bed, and this was our first session. And I'd never done mushrooms before. I'd never done anything. And, um, you know, I was always scared about psychedelics because I don't do too well with, like, marijuana. So I always thought that they were, like, the same thing. So the first time I had mushrooms, I remember I'm lying on the bed, and Theo's, like, trigger-pointing me with his elbow in certain spots. And when he'd hit a certain spot, a specific trauma, it gives me goosebumps talking about it now, a specific, like, trauma, like a thought I'd have about my grandma would come out, come up in my head, and I could feel myself starting to cry inside. And I'm trying to hold it in. I'm trying to act like I'm not crying. And I'm showing no, like, I'm not moving. I'm not, like, I'm not twitching. I'm not even exhaling. I'm just holding my breath. And he just goes, bro, let it out, let it out. Like, this cunt knew. Mm. He knew. Mm. He knew what I was fucking going through. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like we were fucking connected, bro. Mm. And I was just having this fucking epiphany at the time that, like, everything that has happened in my life has happened for a reason. And, like, I am down to the core. The only thing I could think about was just having a sword and shield, being on the battlefield, like, fucking 2,000 years ago, killing people. Like, deep down, that's the only thing I could think about in that state was me being a warrior to myself and, like, then realising that, like, fuck, my purpose is to actually fight. That mm. is my true purpose. And once I realised that, like, that was... I always knew, but to have that confirmation like mm. that did so much for me. And then it's, like... I no longer needed to to tell myself that I was this and 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 have these thoughts in my head and oh I used to think oh you can't have fun you know if you you just need to be working and training nonstop mm. and all this shit but if you're a warrior deep down to your core no matter what you do you're always gonna find a way back to doing that mm. you know and Theo especially really helped me get to that point through all the plant medicine that I've done and things like that so yeah I just want to say thanks man for, for all of that you know in general and yeah. It was really interesting what he says because the fear, the fear that he had coming to me was literally, oh, if I do that work, mm-hmm. am I going to actually lose my drive? Yes. Mm-hmm. That was also right. Yeah. And I feel like this is a big fear for a lot of people yes, because yeah. they have created this identity for themselves. And especially when you're going to, to face yourself and do this kind of work, mm-hmm. straight away you're feeling that you're yeah. going to... Shift. This is gonna die. This is yeah. you're gonna lose it. All mm. the identification that you have. Of course, that yeah. was my biggest fear, hundred percent. That's why it was such a reinforcement for him to actually see to the core who he is in the soul yeah, yeah. beyond his ego. So do you? That's interesting because. That's Cody's experience was more like he once he w- went deeper, they actually realized that's what he was supposed to do. Mm. But there would be guys out there that would be the exact same, but that's not more them. And they're actually not yeah, no, into me. No, and they actually yeah. do that work and they go, yeah, fuck, yeah. what am I doing? Yeah, yeah. And they go the other way. Thing, yeah. And they, and they or, yeah, or it could be someone in business, yeah. whatever, and they go all in and then they they do the work. I mean, I found when I did the work and went to a deeper level with business actually helped me. Yeah. And I had more, more drive and more clarity, yeah. whereas other people might do and go, what the fuck am I doing? Yeah. And just pull back and just totally reassess because yeah. I actually get better clarity about. Because that's the reality. Mm. If you are going through your life and you never actually reflect on what you're doing and all the stuff and it comes from a place of of pain, of, you mm. know, what you experienced, in, you know, in childhood and all the stuff, mm. and you're so far gone that you've never questioned it, and all of a sudden you go and you start figuring out, like, who you really are, of course, it's going to be, you know, like a lot of conflict and everything, but you have to make a decision afterwards. Either you honor who you truly are or you're staying in this, you know, egoic state, basically, and just keep going, mm. living a life. 
That's 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 the truth. Yeah. You know? That was the biggest fear, hundred percent, of me. Like especially after like losing the fight, that fight, and then being yeah. like, uh, and then I it got to a point where it's like. I needed to go and do, like, it wasn't a matter of choice anymore whether I should do the work, whether I, it was like I fucking needed to get my shit together mm-hmm. first and foremost because it's like, as well, I was at my lowest, and that was when I was at my lowest point. I just lost the fight, so I was thinking like, man, really, is this really me? Like, is this like, is this how it ends for me? Like, am I just going to be like, uh, is this, and then I was so scared to go. I remember even you saying to mm-hmm. me at the time, mm-hmm. you were saying, is it a good idea to go do that? Or maybe you mm. want to wait for doing that till after your career, mm. which for mm. some mm. people, fuck, maybe wait till yeah. after their career. But for me. Because I had started my journey at that stage. Yeah. So I had that same yeah. you know, mindset but as you well. you can see, yeah. you can see his warrior spirit from, yeah. from that beginning. Like, yeah. hundred percent. Like yeah. That, yeah. that's the thing, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, and when we were on that table to touch on that, when we were on the table and you were massaging me, what started happening is I started having flashbacks of when I was a child and even my dad's, even my dad's mum, oh, sorry, yes, my dad's mum, so my grandma, South African grandma, who is not here anymore, she passed away quite a while ago, she, my mum used to tell me that she used to say things like, he's special, this one, like, as in me, like, he's yep. special, he's going to do something, like, he's, he's, and she was a very spiritual lady, like, talks about, fucking the angels and, and people in my family spell oh, she's a bit nuts you know but she was very in tune with connected like, the, yeah, yeah, connected yeah, yeah. And she used to say he's gonna do shit and she, my mum like they reckon like they would take me to the park as a kid and, like people would be walking by and they'd stop and they'd just be like his aura like he's like you know spiritually mm-hmm. like he has such an this gold aura around him you know mm-hmm. and then like so when you were massaging me I'm having these like things that people have told me and then I'm like, okay. And then I'll go to the, t- I was shit at everything until six years old. And then I go to the Taekwondo gym and then the coach goes to me, fuck, like, has he done anything before? Like, what, what, oh, didn't say fuck, obviously. But I was speaking to my dad going, you know, has he done anything? He's, he's, he's really good. Like how, like, has he done anything before? And they're like, nah, never, never. And then like throughout my life, there's been all these people say things to me kind of like, 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 man, like. You're, you're made for this. Like, you truly are special and you are a warrior deep to your core. And then when we had this experience, I realized that my whole life and all these people saying this, it hasn't been a coincidence. Mm. It's because deep down to my core, that's who I am. Mm. And I'm always going to find a way to do it one way or another. Mm. I remember when I was a kid, like, in, in primary school and stuff, I was always an angry kid. I was always getting into fights and stuff like that. But then when I started training, it's like because I was outletting it all there, I was no longer like that. And I'm not an aggressive person at all. But if I can't train and fight, I do become quite an aggressive person. And I not aggressive towards people, but I want to fight someone or something. I need to. And it's like after I've done that, it's I feel deep down, I feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. And mm. when we did that on the table, I went home and I wrote this like this book, man. I, I never write. I wrote this whole book about my life and how everything now is starting to make sense, you know, and like why like even my father could realize at a young age that like I had something special. My grandmother could realize mm. that I had something special, you know, and that it's not just been a coincidence and that I'm truly born to do that. And it's a series of events that put you on that exactly on that, on that and that's path, what yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. like a series of yeah, a series mm. of events that mm. have, and everything has happened for a reason. And if mm. I didn't lose, you know, like like everything's happened, I'm glad that I did lose that fight because mm. then 
I know I needed to do the work, but it reinforced it to yeah. that point, you know. Only only a warrior in that state of rock bottom, especially the way you were feeling and with the loss and grief that you were experiencing and all that stuff, yeah. alongside everything else, will commit for three months, especially after a loss, to do this kind of work, mm. you know, and see also the impact that it had, that it had on you. Yeah. You know, and how you're progressing now in general. Mm. And it's um and anyone I find who's really they're on that special path in whatever field they're going in, but they have that that clarity, they just know. And so and it's hard to explain to people when yeah, when, yeah, when yeah, you yeah. like when you yeah, just yeah. know, like, you know, I'm I'm destined for it. Yeah. Like the yeah. exact path, we don't know. When it's gonna happen, we don't know. But, but like I, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and 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 most people don't get that. Yeah. Most people don't get that. They just and it's hard to explain that to someone who yeah. they just don't have that yeah. as well. But people ask me, like, you know, um, you know, like what like why are you doing fighting or whatever? And I'm like, it's just my destiny. It's just mm. what I'm meant to do. And yeah. they, they kind of don't get it. It sounds like, like bullshit to them. Yeah, they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. destiny. What are you talking about, your destiny? You know, it's like, mate, that's who I am. Yeah. You know, like deep down to my core, that's just what I am. And I'm going to find a way to do that. Like, no matter what, like, um, and yeah, especially through like doing doing that work with you as well, I really got to like, figure out that that is me truly down yeah, yeah. deep down to my core you know and especially sorting out also like the stories on your mind oh. and, and and removing you oh, for a yes. bit from, yes. from being that and yes. identifying yourself with that yes you know yeah yeah you made yeah. such a such a big shift yeah you know? yeah because i was able to like now is like when i train it's like i don't put all that pressure on myself yep. it's like you're free. Of, I'm yeah. free. That I'm anxiety, training with that free. Anxiety is gone. Yeah. You actually go and you enjoy yourself. Right? I enjoy it. Yeah, and even when I fight, I'm like, I'm not like, yeah, I'm obviously very nervous, but yeah, I'm yeah. like, this is what I'm here to do. I'm not doing this for anyone else. Excitement. I'm doing it for me. Yeah, it's yeah, excitement, yeah. you know. It's like, this is what I'm here to do. It makes me feel alive, you know. That's why I'm doing it, you know. Whereas, like, before doing the work, I would have questions like, Am I doing this for other people? Because my whole life, my my family has supported me in such a way that, and I had that identity as Cody the fighter. Everyone, all my friends, Cody, how's your fighting going? Like mm. all my parents' friends, Cody, how's your fighting? My grandma would even talk to people about me. My grandson's a fighter and this and that. And everyone know me as the know me as a fighter. So I would sit there and think like, is this is this really for me? And then if I would not fight, I was so scared of like, fuck, who am I? Who am I if I don't fight? Mm. After doing the work with Theo, I realized, who am I? I'm, I'm a fighter deep down to my core. Mm. I'm always going to fight, but I don't have to believe that bullshit of that, that you are only a fighter. This is like before doing the work, I felt like I was Cody the fighter. And then after doing the work, I feel like I'm Cody the human being who fights. You know, mm. human being first and foremost, mm. fighter secondary. And I feel like everyone should first and foremost be a better human being before mm. doing anything. Yeah. And your purpose is more clear. More clear. Yeah. yeah. The thing is that. It's not coming from a toxic yeah, place. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The thing is also like who you really are, you cannot really express it through words. <coughs> like that's a thing. You can only feel it, sense it, and understand it. And the more you explore that, the more you connect with that. But when you identify yourself with, you know, the name, okay, Cody, Theo, Ryan, mm. you know, and the traits, you know, like. Uh, the job, the things that you have identified yourself, this is where the problem is, mm. you know. Thinking of um, destiny, UFC Perth. 
Yeah. Oh man. What's what's the thoughts? Oh. That's in. We're in December now, so that's in. Yeah, that's why. So eight weeks. Yeah. So obviously yeah. the the cards filling up. So that was that was one of the things that that was probably maybe maybe goal, but that could be could yeah. still potentially happen, but yeah. could be just later on. Whatever happens, it happens. So we say, yeah. what do, what are you um just in terms of the the Perth card? What are you excited about? I mean, I'm excited. More fights. Like. I'm excited in general that the UFC is coming to Perth. Mm. Last time it came to Perth, I was in California, so I missed it. All my family and that. Oh, my brothers <clears> and that. They had tears. They all went. It was awesome. It's fucking I, wild. I missed that. It was wild. Yeah, you it was went? Wild. I went as well. Yeah, best UFC I've been to. Oh. Been to five. Yeah, yeah. It's the best and one I've well, been to. Was it at RAC? Yeah. Yeah, Unbelievable so RAC's arena. small, intimate. You can see everything. Wild fights. It's like 10 a.m., everyone's on the beers. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of fucking, <laughs> fucking, fucking, you my know brother, you're in Australia. My brother. Everyone's fucking sideways at 10 a.m. Yeah. Just like. Yeah, woke up the yeah, five yeah, yeah, yeah. to get ready to drink we're in, at six Cause, cause <laughs> Sunday morning or whatever. Eh? Yeah, because it's the American Saturday night. Yeah. So in Perth, we're on the West Coast. So oh, uh, yeah. the prelims start. Yeah, yeah. So the first fights are at six in the morning. People rolling in. Bars open. So people, people remember we, we rolled in and the car, because I went to the first UFC I ever went to was in Singapore. This Because I've been in UFC since oh. Seven. Yep. So since UFC ninety, so we went to Singapore, and that was a bit of a. I was so excited, and that was like a bit of a, a nothing card, yeah, yeah. and it was a bit disappointed with it. And then I went to the Ronda Rousey one, which was at Eddie Hat, which was like sixty thousand people, and you thought oh, I'd be mad, but the atmosphere just wasn't quite there in a stadium. And so, like, yeah, the third one I went to was the Perth one, and it was fucking mental. Like, they just the arena was unbelievable. Mm. The fights were fucking wild. Mm. Like, that's Izzy's first fight in the UFC. Yes, Volkanovski was on the – yeah, yeah, in the UFC. Volkanovski yeah. was on the undercard. You had Tai Tuivasa's first UFC fight. Yeah. Mark Hunt was on that card. It was Yoel Romero oh, and Rockhold was on that card. Yeah. yeah. Curtis Blades fought Mark Hunt. It was a fucking wild card, and um, and all the all there was finishes. Every every fight was a finish, and like everyone was just going mental. So, you know that one. Even though we look at it in Perth because we're so isolated, I think yeah. oh, yeah, Perth card's not as good, not yeah. as good, but it was elite. Yeah, it was and you, and you think this card, this card will top that. Oh, we yeah. got what is it? Islam and Volk. Who have you got? Right. Like, you know, I I love I love Volk, man. Yeah. I love Volk. Like and you know what? If anyone's gonna upset the world, it'd be him. Yeah. He's yeah. the like underdog story. He loves it. Yeah, he loves like, it. He's just like he's a hard such worker. A tough guy. Yeah, he's yeah. so tough. Like nothing special, just hard work. Yeah. I'm not saying he's nothing special. I'm just, his mindset. Nothing yeah, yeah, yeah. special. Anyone can do it. Just fucking put your mind to it, work hard. And yeah. then he does that better than anyone else. Yeah. I reckon that if anyone's going to upset Islam, it would be him, yeah. you know. But, However, yeah. Islam is a fucking monster. Yeah. They're fighting at lightweight. He's huge, man. Yeah, yeah. He's a big lightweight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. he's he has the more experience in the grappling department mm, as well. Mm, in grappling, that weight matters so mm, much. It doesn't mm, matter as much in the striking, mm, but in the grappling, it matters mm, so much. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just shocked that fucking Khabib is going to be in Perth. Like, yeah. Wrap your head around that. And Hasbulla. <laughs> and Hasbulla. He's going to be in Perth. Like, like, Perth is so small. Yeah. Where are these people going to go? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you got to run. Yeah, Someone's yeah, got to yeah, run into yeah, one of them. Yeah, like, they yeah. have to. At, yeah, like, some cafe or maybe not a cafe, but some shop. Like, yeah. you know, their manager or something. Perth is so small. It's not mm. like, um, you know, they haven't got no UFC performance. 
PI here and I was like, yeah, where yeah. are these guys going to train? They're going to train at some local gym somewhere. Yeah. Someone's going to run into it. Like, can you wrap your head around mm. that? It'd be massive for the growth. Oh, yeah, Not man. just Perth, but yeah. in Australia. Oh, even Australia. Like, more kids are getting exposed to it. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. think that the rest of the country is a bit upset that they're coming. They're salty, yeah. They're very salty. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which I think, I think they got most of the tickets, though. Yeah, oh. yeah, probably, right? No <laughs> one got tickets. No one got tickets. I don't know what the fuck happened there, but yeah. yeah. But that, yeah, I, I agree. I share the same sentiment. I think I love uh, Volk's my favourite fighter. Oh, uh, Volk and John Jones yeah, are my yeah, favourite two yeah, fighters. Yeah. And they're very, but um, he's just so work, workmanlike and, he's, um, oh. and he just gets better and better. He's mentality. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think that he will definitely match him even size. Mm, yeah, because definitely. actually you're right because I was thinking like, oh man, like, <gasps> a bit small for lightweight but then it's like really good. I used to be like... And he's oh, strong as fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Kilos, but then like, Islam is apparently... Oh. On a, his strength is just yeah. ridiculous. He's so it's just, it's just that he's, what he's doing, I mean, no one's going to beat Volk at featherweight. No. So problem. what he's doing, he's doing shit that people wouldn't have the balls to do. No. You know what I mean? Even, I mean, Khabib could have gone up to welterweight. He could have. Yeah. You know, but stated. He should have. Yeah, and, you know, and arguably he probably could have won welterweight. It's hard as well. So, I mean, Volk's throwing it all online in Perth as well. So it's just a matter of can he stop him and scramble and keep it on the feet for five rounds, which either is a long way, time. Either way, yeah. both of their stock goes up with that fight, wins yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like yeah. Both of their stock goes up because we've seen Islam, but we haven't seen Islam fight someone like Volk. You know, involved with that striking and that athleticism yeah. you and know? just that and the mentality. mentality like you know what I mean he'll he have to, to finish he, he won't quit no. he won't quit no. and that's the he and he's so technical with his yeah. down he's so yeah. fit yeah. he'll yeah. be he'll be so quick yeah. the quickness is it's yeah. just if he can just keep him off him yeah. and scramble he might get yeah. taken down and pinned and as long as he doesn't get finished yeah. I mean he could yeah that's what even my coach says like you know three things that you have to be worried when fighting someone if they are extremely fit, you can't tap them and you can't knock them out. <laughs> that's fucking bold. Yeah, that's yeah, bold. Yeah. And then on top of that, he's got the skills. Yeah. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah. Like it's like someone just having that alone is a nightmare, no matter who you mm, are. Mm. And then dealing with someone who's very skilled, very strategic on top of that. Yeah. I think it's going to be, yeah. it won't be a walk in the yeah. park. Even, so. even Khabib, I heard him in an interview said, he goes, he reckons he'll be a way harder fight than Charles. Because oh, yeah. Khabib, oh, yeah, yeah, Khabib yeah. goes, he rec- recognises Volk's mentality. Yeah. And he goes, that guy won't. No. He's a proper warrior. He won't yeah. give up. Whereas he knows these other guys, a lot of these yeah. other guys, he feels like they'll crumble. Yeah. But um, but it's just it's just the size. The size. It's the size, That's and then you know, and it's, and it's just makes me hesitant. I'm just like the size of it. It's like it's the difference in the size. That's the only thing I, I mm. see. You know, like what about it could be the problem. You know, what about um, Whitaker and Costa? <laughs> oh man, Whitaker's gonna fuck. Him. <laughs> I don't even reckon it's close, bro. Yeah. Like Whitaker's yeah. gonna smash here. Like yeah. walk like by far. Like Whitaker's a far better fighter than 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 um Paulo Costa. He's it's just like he's beaten everyone. It's just he's, he's his bogeyman. Yeah. And it's just, that's it's just. But even on the last last fight, like close. Hey, it was pretty close. Yeah. Still, yeah. Like, you know, yeah. Mm, but he's just got that style. That's yeah, just yeah, yeah. like it's just a bad matchup. Yeah. yeah. You know, whereas if Whitaker fought Pereira, yeah. you'd probably bet him. Yeah. You know, yeah, what I mean? it's just yeah. these, it's weird how these different matchups. That's the thing in MMA. It's like yeah, you can have this like the three people. It's like you know, A beats B. But then, like, mm. B loses to C, but mm. C is, like, yeah, what's the A type yeah. shit, you know? Yeah. So it doesn't, 
You know what I mean? The math MMA math just doesn't, oh, work. doesn't work. It just doesn't you work. You can't go, oh, well, he beat him, so that and he beat him, and he lost to him. That means this guy will be that guy. Yeah. But it doesn't happen. Yeah, you get like I think about Nate Diaz being Connor in general. Like you know, who would have seen that come? Like mm. you know, like. You Do you reckon I mean? um, Costa passes the piss test? <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely on the gear. It looks it's good though. Ma- it looks good. <laughs> it's just a matter of like, He's king of the boat party later yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's king of the boat party. Yeah. Um, yeah, fuck. Tell me that guy's not on the yeah. well, not on the sauce. Like and then, but it's like, you know, I think they all are. I'm not I think they all are. Like straight out. The top guys now, I think that the truth is is the drugs come out first and then the science catches up. Always, right? right? So Spe- speaking of which, um, what are your thoughts on Liver King and oh, everything, everything, everything just, that's come out? The fact that, you know, people are so stupid to think that this guy could be natural, seeing him. Like just some people are like, oh, well, maybe it is the liver he's in. Don't get me wrong, all the stuff he's doing with the liver and that, it, it all makes sense, but man. Ancestral tenants. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm not, what I'm trying to say is I'm not surprised. Like no, He's what, 45. What? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, man. 45. Uh, what, what, was background in? Was in, was, what was his background? He was like proper um, in business and like, you know. No, no, he was actually yeah. before that. So yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he had like multiple businesses yeah. and all the stuff. Yeah. He was successful, but the problem was he wasn't known. So no. he created this whole strategy of how he had to become like known and he yeah. created this this identity, the liver king. Yeah. Yes. And he, he executed to the T. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. But, but the fact, hugely intelligent yeah, yeah. guy. Yeah. But the fact that, that that people see that and they believe you know, that it's the liver with maple syrup and the ancestral tenants it's just pathetic man exactly that, right. that's the problem when you have like even on Hollywood like all the actors like preparing for movies and you mm. see them they do a 12 week preparation and all of a sudden they go from a skinny dude to fucking oh. sack yeah. rape to like with veins everywhere and 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 and, and it's passed like to, to to all of us that yeah he's, he's natural he was the diet and the training oh. the training regime and you see guys like the rock john cena and all of those yeah of course and they pretend to be natural okay mm. Like, and the thing is, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with what guys no, want to take. No, but, no, but, no, but it's it's the it's the illusion no, no. Of, of that's what but, natural. But, but that's what that's what takes. Yeah, yeah. That people believe yeah. that mm, if mm. they actually like try and buy their supplements a lot mm, of times, mm, or mm. like you see uh, Hemsworth, for example, like oh. yeah. I thought he has this this training up and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he says to people like, "Yeah, do my my." Look, you look like Thor. And you look like Thor, like. It, it's false advertisement. Yeah, of course. Like, you know, like it, it's just those things need to stop. And the yeah. thing I think that's probably the worst part of even like with his apology with the Liver King, just oh. to take it back, is like he. <laughs> <laughs> he, he takes just partial responsibility, yeah. then goes off on this tangent. Oh, I was yeah. doing it for depre- yeah. depressed men and yeah, suicide. Yeah, yeah. So okay, there's like, of course no financial. Like yeah, man, of like course. And what like it's like? Well, if you're so much about those guys, it's like you're promoting something that yeah. If these guys they take your nine ancestral tenants and they're not going to get the result, right. so they've got enough issues about self worth, and then yeah. they're going to fail another thing. So you're further enhancing nah. the you know their their poor self image. Yeah. People like that are creating even more damage. Of course, yeah, yeah, big time. Out there. Big time. Because they create more insecure people, mm. especially after like them finding out like obviously what mm. they did. But the thing is. You're not doing it for the suicides. You're not doing it for men, 
for you know supporting yeah. you know, their journey. You're doing it for you. It's bleeding heart. Yeah, yeah you're no, doing it for shit, you yeah. to be seen as someone important. Of course, like that's it. It's as yeah. simple as that. How how would have um because he he just came across so. You know, we all fuck up, but like he came yeah, across yeah, so yeah. disingenuous with his, yeah, yeah, with yeah. his, it was so scripted. It was like a WWE fucking, yeah, fucking yeah, yeah. script. But like, it's almost, if he but just. He looks even bigger than a bit there. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, now no, that no, I've no, gone no. God, no, I'm no. going to have even more gears. No, yeah. no, no, he found the 10th ancestral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He was hiding that one. He goes, no, no, no. Triple Triple sandwich. And it's funny that, um, what's his, what's his name? The dude that exposed him to the doco. Uh, more play, more, more, more days, yeah, yeah. And he's yeah. gone on like a fucking. He's done a doco for yeah. time of the yeah, research. Yeah. Well done. Such an amazing video. And, and gone on a way. fucking podcast circuit. Yeah. So you think, fuck, he's uh, like you know, he's really exposed him. Oh yeah. And um, I mean, the Liver King could have just literally, yeah. He's obviously he's he's admitted fault, but he, he could have just. Just be, if he actually went authentic into what he was doing, why he did it, yeah, like yeah, you know, yeah. you know, I might have had this vision of helping people in this, but realized I couldn't brand or market myself a certain way. Naturally, you know, just just copped it on yeah, chin yeah, yeah, and just it was yeah, very authentic. Yeah. People would go, no shit, yeah, makes yeah. sense. You know, you took you took you took gear for an image to make a shitload of money. It makes yeah. sense. Like you know, you might might not have been the right thing, but at least you you know you're owning up to it. Yeah. But it's just that not. Just not taking like, ownership over yeah, yeah. it is what then people go, man, you're just fucking full of shit. That's a big problem with many general, like, you know, like, like they don't take responsibility for their bullshit. Like, mm. <laughs> it's a big problem, man. Mm. Yeah. Um, I'm big on routines and habits. What's your sort of like general from your morning routine, a general day sort of look like your training volume, evening routine? Like as in prepping for a fire? Just in general, just, just your general. daily, daily, um, yeah. So, so what's your morning look like? I get up, so uh, Monday morning, wake up, 6, 6 a.m. Um, I do start the day with a coffee because I have to drive to Cottesloe because I have some clients down there mm. that I train. Start mm. at 7, train them from 7 to 8, head back home. I live in Morley, takes about 35 minutes to 40 minutes depending on traffic. Um, go and then I rock up to the gym, LCA, have, have something to eat, like a smoothie, um, which I'll chuck in like bananas, cacao, uh, creatine, uh, almond milk, uh, banana. Oh, sorry, banana. I already said that. Uh, honey, um, and blend that up, and then I pretty much go. Uh, go to training. I train jujitsu at LCA, which is like Nogi, from like nine thirty to eleven, eleven fifteen. Mm-hmm. Generally, we're, the guys are running late, so it's more like ten to eleven thirty. But uh, <laughs> martial, you know, martial arts, arts times. Are I'm actually, thing. yeah, I, I run like two. I get there at like ten. So <laughs> Um, uh, which, it's which keeping congruent with being a fighter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you can't be on time. No, you can't be on yeah. time. No, if you're on time, so yeah. wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so then after that, 11.30, I train MMA. Um, from 11.30 to about 1. We finish around 1. So it's about three-hour training block. Mm. Go home, generally eat, nap. And then if I need to, on a Monday, I do a bit of work, like in the evening. I actually teach a class in Joondala, Monday evening. Um, it's from 7.30 to 8.30 um, at night. But before that, I'd, I'd also do like a private lesson with someone just for like a bit of cash. And then that's generally my Monday. And then Tuesday, um, I go to CrossFit, um, which is like 9 to 10 a.m. at CrossFit Dignis, do a workout. And then I go straight back to the MMA gym, um, from there, which we do a wrestling practice, which mm. starts at 11. Um, from there, like 11 to 1 once again, and then home, I go to bed, wake up, train again at 
we go back to Ramel's at 5.30, which is LCA, 5.30 to around 7, which is like no year practice. And all of our practices we do is like mostly no year. It's mostly rolling. So, and then like every day is different. Then Wednesday is pretty much similar to Monday. And then uh, Thursday is sparring day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was waking up at and then going to uh, CrossFit in the morning. Um I was going to CrossFit 9 to 10, which is like the Mamba, ma- you're aware of Mamba mentality, they fuck you up there. Uh, it's very, yeah, obviously aware as well, they fuck you up. And then I was going to sparring after that at like 11.30 to like 1, and I was just fucking on jelly legs the whole time. So now I just sleep in, then I go to sparring, and then after that I go teach at the UFC gym um, from 4.30 to around 8.00. And then Friday is pretty much similar to like Monday and mm. Wednesday, yeah. And then Saturday, big sparring day again. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Well, so, so obviously you you shifted a bit like with your uh, honoring your recovery time. And oh, hundred percent. And, and yeah. your diet. Yes. Do you count your calories? Yes. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. So I log my calories year round, um, and I'm eating anywhere from three to four thousand all year round. So I even probably. If I'm, Sixty percent more than you were eating before. Yeah, bro. When we first met, <laughs> double, Jesus, double, double. I was eating like fifteen hundred. <laughs> I was eating fuck all and not losing weight. Like I was addicted to caffeine. Oh, I was in a bad way. That's back when I was cutting to fly weight. And that was just a nightmare. I was Crazy. fucked up. But um, yeah, I log my calories every day. I have been doing that for about four years now. Mm. Every or four or five years, every single day I log my calories. Yeah. Obviously, if you go out and eat, you don't know what's in, but you can kind of guesstimate. Mm. But yeah, I weigh up all of my food every single day. Um, Do you feel this is important for, for fighters? 100%. Yeah, data, more data. Everyone's yeah. like, oh, you don't need to be doing that. But it's like data. Data is... So for instance, if I go to training and I feel like shit, I can, I can look back. I can go, all right, well, I didn't eat. This is how many grams of carbs I had before I trained, da 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 and then you can evaluate from there. You know what I mean? Of course. For me as well, I feel like there is a lot of bad, like you can get, which I fell into that trap, you can get a bit obsessive with it and it can have a bit of a, like mental syndrome, which I tend to fall into that bracket. But now, since doing the work with you, I'm able to go and like not track for two days and not be fine with it, not feel yeah, bad about yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. You know? I'm like, oh shit, I don't know what's in that. I don't have a meltdown. Whereas before doing the work with you, I'd have a fucking meltdown <laughs> and my missus can confirm that. And I'd be freaking the fuck out, right? So now I, um, now I, um, yeah, I log my food all year round and then pretty much what I do when I have a fight booked, I weigh myself every morning and then I kind of see where I'm sitting <coughs> and then I kind of make the way. To be honest, I sit around 66, 67 kilos year round yeah. and then I make 61.7. So that's where you're healthy. Right? I'm healthy. At yeah. Bantamweight. Yeah, at Bantamweight, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is 61.7. So yeah. when you used to fight at Flyweight, yeah. tell us about your um, toughest weight cut because oh, that, that, Flyweight's 57? <laughs> 57. Yeah. Ooh, 57.2 so tell us about like a, a good a good uh, oh, weight cutting story fuck like because obviously you don't do that way I, anymore so. well, what I did when I used to make flyweight is on the Monday um, <laughs> I'd start dropping the calories um, pretty much eat 500 calories a day just boiled chicken breast poached chicken breast that week that the week so of no, the, mon- day. On the Monday of the Wayne's Friday yeah. Saturday yeah. So Monday just boiled chicken breast like 500 calories worth of boiled chicken breast and I make sure I boil all the sodiums out of it and everything and I do that and I just legit lie in bed I didn't move 
That's what I did to get my flyweight fights. I just lied in the bed. I did not move. I just watched TV because mm. I couldn't stand up. I mm. felt like I was going to have a fucking heart attack. Did like, you just sauna? I didn't even need to, bro. I went too <laughs> over the top. I woke up on the day like a kilo under the weight. I like, fucked myself up. Do you, do you prefer with, when you're cutting weight using bath or sauna? I Last time I cut weight, I used to think I liked the sauna more. I yeah. feel like. Leisurely, the sauna is more enjoyable. Yeah. Effectiveness to drop water weight, the bath is better. 100%, yeah. Sauna's fucked. But I hate the bath. Like, I'm yeah. in there, I fucking hate it. <laughs> but I can sit in a sauna for a while. I hate the bath. It's quicker. Oh, the bath's so much quicker. And you drop it more, yeah. My last time I did it in a sauna. Yeah. And I was in there and I was not losing <laughs> weight. Like, I just, because I was, you have to remember, like, you do this whole protocol, right? before the weight cut even starts, like going keto and then water loading and sodium depleting, you're already in like a dehydrated stress state under like real low body fat, even before you start cutting weight. When you get in there, sometimes the weight, the the heat has to be a bit higher to start sweating. Like in Mm. my case, which won the last fight, because I'm already slightly dehydrated and fragile. And then going keto for that whole week as well. I just cannot function. It mm. feels like fucked Do you feel like it compromised your performance? When I, oh, if I went to flyweight. When no, I, when you were at flyweight. When I was at flyweight, fuck yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was bad. Like I, yeah, had no energy, even like up until that day. Like just, bro, to be honest, just caffeine. Caffeine got me through it. Mm. But I couldn't, if I, if I did it now, I'd need a dietitian. I'd need to actually do it properly. Mm. I, did it, I did it, but I did it in an unhealthy way mm. too. There probably is a safer way to do it. However, I also fucked up my hormones in the process of doing all of yeah. that. And that's, yeah. a, that's a big problem because it yeah. can affect you for months yeah. or even years after that. Yeah. Like. Well, as well with tracking calories, my mindset is like anytime I start moving away from that 57 mark, I'd sit at like 62.3 and I'd be like, fuck, that's six kilos. And I'd be like, I need to cut more calories tomorrow. Like, what happens if I get a fight yeah, in yeah, three yeah. weeks? How am I going to make that? Mm. And I'm already like fucking 9% body fat at that weight, you know? So it was hard. Like, yeah, yeah. so then when I went up a weight division, I went, fuck it, you know what? I'll get bigger, which having more muscle, you have a better metabolism anyway, yeah. eating more food, able to enjoy life. You know, people say to me, like, friends, oh, let's go out for a meal. I'm not like, oh, no, nah, I can't. And I used to do that. Yeah. Like Christmas Day, I'd be sitting there and not eat anything. It's like my, my brothers and I then bought lobsters and all this shit, like crayfish, <laughs> all this food. I'd sit there and not eat anything, just drink sparkling water. That's good. Because in my mind, I'm like, if I have a fight in February, I'm not going to be able to make it. But yeah. now fighting at Bantamweight, which is a more healthy weight for me, I want to have longevity. I of course, have, of you course. Know, and, mm-hmm. and like I said, first and foremost, what's more important to me is one, being a better human before that. You know, I don't want to myself in the process trying to make flyaway mm. myself through all that pain just so that I might have an athletic advantage mm. for me I don't reckon I did have an no, athletic advantage I reckon if anything I was at a disadvantage mm. now that I fight at bantamweight I'm much better and I feel much better I can enjoy my life when I don't have a fight <coughs> and then when I have a fight like when I'm cutting weight for bantamweight as in I've got a fight booked in so let's say I got a fight booked in six weeks I'm still eating three and a half thousand three and a half to four thousand yeah. calories a day Losing weight. Mm. That's me losing weight. Mm. And that's how much I'm, because I'm training like that four hours a day. Must be it's like so much. Dude, like when I had the whoop, <laughs> yeah, when yeah. I was wearing the whoop, it's yeah. like 4,000, 4,500 4, calories a day on some days, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. And man, like just, I burned so much. And it's like I was underestimating for so long, which it actually destroyed my hormones. 
I remember I couldn't get an erection when I was started like training to fight MMA and I was training so much and not eating enough. I didn't have an erection for like, I couldn't even get an erection no matter what. For like three years, I didn't have sex with anyone, anything. Didn't have no sexual activity, nothing for three whole years. Yeah, was, my drive was gone. I had my I got my test levels checked. They wanted to put me on fucking hormone replacement therapy because that's how bad mm. my fucking test levels were. Obviously, with that being illegal, I can't be doing that. You know what mm. I mean? But in general, um, yeah, I was fucked, completely fine. Now that I'm sitting at... Um, it was actually funny because when I started eating more calories, I could feel my fucking sex drive coming back. And I actually went out to like, not went out, but it was indirectly started seeking sex, like indirectly, mm-hmm. not like going out like thirsty as like on the dance floor, <laughs> like, yeah, it was some, you know, but like just, you know, like actually like I would drive past, uh, like I'd notice a girl walking past something. I'd be like, oh, she's attractive. Or yeah, she's, a, whereas before I'm just like looking straight ahead, not Asexual. noticing anyone. Yeah, yeah, not yeah. Not noticing anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Someone could be, there could be a 10 sitting there naked playing with themselves. I'd just be <laughs> sitting there. I'd be like, I'm not interested. You know, like I'm just nah, no. Now it's good to go. Yeah, now yeah. I'm good to go. I'm recovered. My missus probably wants me to recover a little more. Like, yeah. just like, yeah. Yeah. Like, so do you, um, <laughs> so before a fight, do you um, have any practices with uh, not beating the meat or no no sex or anything like that? So, uh, or do you, have a, do you have a period of time? or window that you do it? Um, I try to not the week before my fight. I try yeah. to lose my retention for a week. I try. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I try to. A week or like two weeks. Yeah. You know what? But not intentionally, like kind of intentionally, but also not intentionally not, yeah, yeah. because yeah. when you're training that hub for a fight, you don't have any fucking energy no. to be doing that. You're like, not a performer. No, 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 no. no, no. no. You got no energy to be no. doing that. You don't have any energy left to do that. You're like, Fuck that was the last thing I'm thinking about. Yeah. I'm going to sleep, you yeah. know. I haven't had any desire because you're so depleted, man. Of course, of course, you know. Even eating the calories still not enough. Like your nervous system, your adrenals mm. are so taxed. You know, yeah, you yeah. just need yeah. to sleep. So now, nah, like in, but yeah, not intentionally. Yeah, so kind of intentional. Like I'm aware. Like for instance, the night before the fight, I don't think you should be having like um like. You shouldn't be ejaculating. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. No. The night before yeah. fire, I don't think so. I don't think it's a good idea. Just release a bit of anxiety. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> think Bad about it. Like, yeah. you know, like back in the day, like you'd have you need you'd need this big surge in testosterone to go yeah. out and like kill an animal or whatever and bring that back to your family. You know, if you if you're like dumping your test just before you go hunt the animal, they'll start running off and you'd probably be like, ah, oh, fuck, it's running too fast. Fuck that. Put a vape in your yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so nah, um, yeah. yeah, try not to, um, yeah, do it about two weeks before five. But try not to cut the cord too, yeah. too early for. Yeah. Um, what about with, it's funny like, with with weight cutting? Is a lot of people don't understand this from different how like different sports have got different weight cutting. Yes, like you have yeah. obviously when I do jujitsu, I don't do MMA. So like with jujitsu, you weigh in and it's like straight up like you weigh in, boom, you're on the mat. Yeah. There's no like 20, 24 hours before. So you got to, obviously the prep for, for a weight cut is very different in like yeah, jiu-jitsu yeah. or sports. Like jiu-jitsu compared to like boxing, Muay Thai, MMA, which is 24 hours before, which you can just fucking kill yourself. Yeah. And then you can um, re-energize. So you got to be much more strategic. I remember like one when I um, – because I try not to – in jiu-jitsu I haven't competed much lately, but I – Try not to cut weight in that. So I just go at my normal, roughly about my normal weight. So I've put on a bit of weight. But um, yeah, it was always like 
86 or 91, I would compete. And I remember I just got my, um, it was 2018, I just got my purple belt. And we literally got my purple belt in the week after there was this team comp. So they had like, you, they, you had this five belts in jiu-jitsu. It was white, blue, purple, brown, black. So <clears throat> it probably takes about 10 years to get your black belt. So that's why it's hard to even progress up your know, one belt. And um, I remember I just got my purple and then they go, it was on the, on the Saturday. I knew this comp was on next Sunday. I thought, fucking beautiful. Got the belt. They're not going to put me in the comp. And then on the Tuesday, three days after they go, no, we need you to be our purple belt. I'm like, fucking just got it. I'm like, I'm like, you want me? Yeah, they go, we need our best purple belt. I go, because I was 87 kilos. And this comp, you had a heavy team and a light team. The heavy team was above 80. The light was below 80. I said, fuck, okay, fuck, I haven't. Yeah, I don't think I was ready for a comp. I go for the for the heavy team. They're like, "No, nah, we need you for the light team." Oh, and it was it was, it was, on a, it was on a Tuesday, so on the I think it was on the Saturday or Sunday. I had to be at seventy nine, so seventy nine. So I had to lose eight kilos in in four four days, and that was running a business full time. Pretty sure you treated me. I did. I did. You got the worst adjustment like, of your life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't You're get like, out of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're a different fucking name, yeah. but I didn't even recognize who you were. I remember asking, What are you eating? You're like, Just a handful of nuts. <laughs> yeah. That was it. It was fucked. Because yeah. I mean, I was working full time yeah. doing Cairo, which is very, yeah. seeing a and lot of like, people. And I remember every day I was just thinking, Fucking, these Brazilians stitched me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they fucked me. Every, like, that thought every hour, I thought they fucked me. <laughs> and, and, and um, yeah, so, and then, but you can do it. Like, it's fucked, but you can do it. And then you learn, you learn mental toughness. Oh. And you like, it's only on four or five days time. Just, you know, eight, I just had like one, one little meal a day and you, that's all you could do and just run work. It was fucking miserable, yeah. but ended up getting there like, and, and just, I mean, I did every trick to get under and, and I didn't use a sauna. I didn't use a bath, no. nothing of that, but like I had to, had to borrow a guy's ghee that was like 800 grams lighter instead of like a one oh, half kilo. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, it's not even a kilo, yeah. the ghee. So and I just got under yeah. and I had to like weigh in straight away. So like just do every trick you can. And, um, yeah, went in, uh, there's a few different divisions, one my division. And then like, soon as I weighed in, I had like six liters of Gatorade, fucking moron. But anyway, I had like six, like three, two liter bottles, had like a pizza, had all these lollies. And literally within, I won my division and had to go to another division. Two hours later, I was up to 85 kilos. I was six kilos heavier in two hours. That is wild. Yeah. I don't even know like that much. Yeah. Like the next day. Yeah, it wasn't the most intense. Four hours and I'm dehydrated. Yeah. So I mean it's amazing how like how and that wasn't that wasn't good practice as well. No, <laughs> yeah. And my me, performance yeah. my performance was, yeah. I still oh, did I did all right, but then I just got hit <laughs> by the fucking bus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't fall asleep before I did. I did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you got choked out yeah, early. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I couldn't believe it. So still, I won that one. Yeah. And so, like, it was a successful game. You, you won both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then we did a team one and won that. So, like, in the end, you look, it's funny, you go through, like, saying that, which is fucked for those five oh. days, and then you forget. Forget how painful it is. You, oh, just, yeah. you just remember winning. Yeah, you yeah, glory. Remember. <laughs> the pizza, the Gatorade. Yeah, yeah, you but, um, about all the pain. But yeah, every but, time I've fought a flower, I've just been like, oh yeah, knocked that guy out. Yeah, there. you know, submitted that guy. That was a sick fight. Yeah, I never think about that fucking pain I was in, oh, like lying in the bed, not even nah. able to stand up. You just 
You don't think about no. it. No. Yeah. Until remember, you're back in it. Yeah. And then you're like, nah, never again. Yeah. And I remember like you'd have people go, oh, you lost eight kilos in four or five days. How'd you – like I'd have like clients and some female clients go, how'd you do it? I want to do it. Like you, you, you don't, don't want to go, go. You don't want to go there. <laughs> It's a fucking dark place, I tell you. You don't want to go there, and, like, and you're not gonna and you're not gonna keep it off as well. No, like, that's like no. that, and that was terrible anything, for me. You're actually, got to rebound work. Yeah, and I remember yeah, saying 100, and I did. I <laughs> rebound two hours. Yeah. Like, <laughs> six, 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 no, 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 fucking no, six no, kilos. You actually got my Oh yeah, I was fucked. I was fucked. Man, I've had my fair share of starving, and honestly, I seem to believe that is fucked up my. My whole ghrelin, my hunger, yeah, 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 yeah. stuff. Like I just don't oh, get, yeah, yeah. I don't get full. Like yeah. I can just keep going, and even if I'm full, I'm just like keep going. Keep there's going, so many, there's going. so many different effects that you have, like yeah. leptin, ghrelin, like yeah. so many different hormones. Like and I just yeah. keep going because I'm like, and people are like, why do you? And then people see me eating, they're like, fucking hell, why are you doing that? And I'm like, because I know what it feels like to be hungry. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you right now, it's heaps more pleasurable being full, even if you're uncomfortable. I'll tell you. It's fuck, feels better than being starving. I've been fucking starving. I tell yeah. you that. It's heaps better to be bloated and oh, I can't even stand up. I love that feeling. I'm like, I can't move. Great. Like, you know, What's awesome. Netflix? Yeah. yeah. Suppression. Let's yeah. go. Yeah, yeah. How do you celebrate a win? Oh, eating. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. You know, a lot of fighters want to go out and get pissed and stuff, yeah. but. But I'm not a big drinker, man. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. being an athlete. And coming, should, coming yeah, from your family yeah, coming background. Coming from my family background pretty interesting as well. As well my, yeah. um, you know, my dad like, loves a bit of alcohol, um, drinks a bit of alcohol. So, and I just, I always seem the worst it brings out in people in mm. general. Yeah, yeah. Um, with a bit of growing up with a bit of violence and stuff like that. So, and not only that, my dad, it's funny because like he was always drinking, but then he'd always be like, you better not fucking drink. And I was kind of like, yeah, well, monkey see, monkey do, right? You know, but yeah. like, yeah, and I never did. I always listened Floyd to him. Floyd didn't drink? Like, yeah. <laughs> so you're not fucking drinking. Yeah, Floyd yeah. never drank. So I don't, but in general, um, mm. for me, when I have alcohol, it's actually a blessing in disguise because when I have it immediately, I feel a little bit excited, but then it comes crashing down I feel depressed I want to go sit in the corner on my own so I don't celebrate with alcohol and as well not only that there was one boxer um, Bernard Hopkins he won a world title when he got out of prison at like 40 years old or something or even 50 it could have been I'm not sure but anyway he would um, talk about never he never drank alcohol and he was like that's the difference and he was called like I think he was called like the immortal. I could actually be wrong. I could have even got the name wrong. But anyway, <laughs> this boxer, he never used to drink he never used to drink alcohol because he he had this theory, which later on scientists have like proven that, you know, after taking trauma to the brain, the last thing you want to do is add alcohol to Of course, the mix. yeah, yeah. So because of the inflammation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So you never want to mix that. So it's kind of a blessing in disguise that I don't like drinking anyway. Mm. And not saying that I have had fights and then I've had gone out to clubs and stuff and mm. like and partied, mm. but that was only like on one or two occasions. Mm. But I don't do that. No. After no. a fight, I generally want to go somewhere like a burger place or if not a burger place, like just Mexican food or yeah. something like that where yeah. I just eat and then just Celebrate with yeah, the celebrate with the you. people close to mm, me. Yeah, yeah, stuff mm. like that. Yeah, yeah. In terms of um, being successful as a professional MMA fighter, being based in Perth, mm. do you, do you feel like 
being based in Perth, we, I mean, we've seen it used to be, the conversation used to be in Australia, could yeah. you be successful? Yeah. yeah. Which we know now it's, yes. Yeah, because yeah, there's multiple guys now. Do you feel like being in Perth, you can get to that level as well? Or do you feel like we're, yeah, a bit limited here or people, you might have to go somewhere else or like, yeah, what are your thoughts on that? I feel like you, I feel like it wouldn't hurt going to other places, but that doesn't mean that you. That doesn't mean that Perth isn't talented enough to get to get you there. As mm. we've seen, guys like Jack Della, all mm. these guys coming mm. up, mm. Stephen Ursig, all these yeah. guys. Although they have travelled and trained, I don't know, like Steve, he's travelled and trained at some very mm. high level MMA gyms. Um, you know, around California and mm. stuff, and I think that's great. Like, go mm. there, learn some stuff, come mm. back. I don't think you have to move your whole life there, mm. but I think that you can definitely go and do training camps and learn and come back. Mm. But I feel like also it's not necessarily the training as in the coaching you get there. Yes, that might be better in some cases because mm. you've got like guys like Khabib, ex-fighters, you know. There's <coughs> mm. not too many ex-fighters on in Perth who mm. have been higher at that level, yeah. at that level yeah. right? So there's obviously more, but I think it comes down to population. It's not because of anything else other than population, you know. And mm. in, a, in the US, MMA is so much bigger than it is in Australia, you know. Like what, they only let the cage back four or five years ago. You in know? Perth, so yeah. In Perth, so and whereas, like, they've been doing this in Brazil, Vale Chudos, mm. forever, mm. you know. So, of course, and not only that, it's a bigger population too. So, of course, you're going to have chances of having more killers come out of that, you know. If you've got more fights, more fights yeah. you know, and not only that, the training partners. I feel mm. like it's the training partners that matter the most, you know, mm. and having guys your size that are higher level that can push you, mm. that's where traveling can benefit, you know. So like that level of The level, yeah, like in my gym, I might have like, you know, one or two guys who are like, you know, quite decent who I can train with my size. But if I went, you know, somewhere like Russia or <laughs> Brazil or, you know, any, like, or America, partners, yeah. America or even Thailand, man, there's some big gyms in, in Thailand, mm. MMA gyms now. If you go there, you might have like 20 guys your weight mm. and then you get like honest training because, you know, the thing is like training with people bigger, they're like, oh, yeah, but he's bigger than you. That's why he can hold you down, etc. Mm. When you train with someone your own size, there's no excuse. No. Like if he's just holding you down, he's like, mm. he's just better than you. Yeah. He just he's your size, he's your weight. He can hold you down. He's better, and that to you makes you get better. So I think the training. It's a matter of not. I think like we have some like my coach Ramel, fantastic coach, and he's been trained under the great um, Brian Ebersol, mm. who is former UFC fighter, was living in Perth. I actually got to train with him as well when mm. I was a kid. Mm. Um, so yeah, he's had a lot of experience, and he knows his stuff. Like he knows his <coughs> MMA man, and like. Um, a lot, but it's a matter of, yeah, I think like in other parts of the world, it's because they have like 20 guys who are all their same size. Mm. That's why they get mm. to push each other a bit more. Yeah. That's the benefit you have. But I don't think it's a necessity. I think that like I think if you get once you get to the UFC, you know, getting your foot in the door, then obviously you can bring people in. You can, yep. you know, you ha you're getting now, it's like your full-time job, so you're getting paid enough, hopefully, that you and you've got sponsors that can help you out with bringing people in and stuff like that. You mm -hmm. bring certain people in from certain parts of the world, your size to train with. Mm -hmm. You can do that anywhere. You know, like, right now there'll be someone training in a garage somewhere becoming a fucking animal just with, like, two people. Yeah, you of know? So, like, talent... Talent's not, like, selective. Talent can be anywhere. Mm. It's just a matter of um, 
having more people to train with. So I think that you can definitely make it big out mm. of Perth, but um, if you go and travel, like it, you, you can, but then as well, you can also leave. It just depends on your circumstances. Mm. You know, I feel like it's good for everyone to go travel and train somewhere for like, you know, a four week to, to, to eight week camp, come back and then be able to um, put that together mm. amongst your gym. And, mm. then, and then that, that can't hurt anyone. Mm. That's great as well. But is it a necessity? I don't think so. Not <clears throat> nah. anymore. Not nope. with how popular the sport's coming. I mean, if the, if the sport wasn't that popular, the UFC wouldn't be coming mm. to Perth. And you look at like Rob Whitaker. Oh. Yeah. Rob Winker's in like rural yeah. New South Wales. Yeah, there's no a gym out there. I mean, and, and, he, and he's just, he's you know, you have to, there's definitely a certain level of guys that you have to have. Oh, of course. They've got to be, they got to, can't have a bunch yeah. of bums and no. just be an no. amazing mindset. No. you got to have no. that certain level. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, having yeah. like world champion. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like yeah. yeah. Big time. If you're in the gym and you're the top guy in the gym, not getting your last hand to Yeah. It's so much easier, I feel, to catch up than it is to stay ahead. But if you got guys in the gym who are giving it to you, then you can catch up to their level mm. so much quicker. You feed off each mm. other. You never want to be the best guy in the gym. No. And if you are, it's a problem. You know? Exactly right. So I feel like, yeah, um, you definitely need to do, like, for instance, now, me and Steve, we actually spar with each other. When, mm. when I have a fight coming up, I try to um, contact Steve and get some sparring mm. rounds in with him because he pushes me to that level mm. and we can push each other. Mm. And every time we spar, it's like we had our fight again only for five rounds instead of three. Mm. People were watching it in awe, you know, yeah. and afterwards I'm completely fucked, you know. I've mm. emptied the clip and so is he. Um, and we get to push each other. So I'm glad, like... Also, I feel like Perth needs to open up a little bit as in like we need to start looking at each other as teammates, not enemies within gyms because yeah, we are so small. We need to work yeah, together yeah. to get each other there. Yeah. Whereas like a lot of these gyms are in the mindset of, no, nah, our gym's the best or your gym's the best. It's like, no, let's just all get together and all train with each other. It's hard though when you're fighting each other, but once you've all fought each other, the ones Try, looking to go yeah, to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They need to start training yeah. with each other. So mm. you got the best of the best in mm. your region training with each mm. other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I yeah. think that's the way forward. Yeah. And I think so even – yeah. yeah. Definitely. And the thing – the beauty with MMA is like you can have – you might be – the best this well round MMA fighter, but even in a place like us, we've still got very good boxers here. Mm. So you can do you can do boxing training yeah. with a guy who just kicks yeah. your ass in straight boxing. Yeah. And then Muay Thai, we got world champions here. Jiu Jitsu, we got world champion here. Yeah. Like you know, like wrestling, we don't like it's that's obviously improving. That's it's improving, but it's not at that level. So you can always get each discipline guys that can beat you in that discipline. Yeah. So you still always can get nuanced. Get yeah. better, yeah. more conditioning, yeah. you know, better mindset and that sort of stuff. So obviously, it's easier having those other resources, but you still can can do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Well, I go to get like right now. If I wanted to, I could go to a boxing gym and I could spar with certain individuals my weight and I get my ass handed to me. Mm. If I wanted to right now, mm. like just down the road. Like, mm. I know heaps of gyms, heaps of kids who are about <laughs> seventeen who will kick my ass. <laughs> right now. So just straight boxing, you know, straight yeah. boxing, yeah. you know. Yeah. Obviously, MMA is a different story, you know. But straight boxing, I could get that in, you know. Like it's 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 Perth. We're doing well considering mm. in the combat mm. sports scene. We're doing well. There's a lot of talent coming up. If you yeah. if if you if you're a parent and you had a kid. Um, what do you reckon is the best martial art to get your kid into? If you're going to pick one, because a lot of like, – it used to be karate, taekwondo. Yeah, yeah. I've got a bit of a different well, – yeah. if I'm able to have kids, but when, when I do, yeah. where they would go, well, where would you sort of send them? If they're going to do – yeah, yeah. Definitely. I was the same. What about as an adult? 
If an adult's going to do one thing. If they got to do one, well, I feel like, I feel like jujitsu is, um, is more like friendly for everyone. I feel Mm. like jujitsu out of all of the martial arts, it's like jujitsu is something that kind of everyone could get into. Of course. It's more, it's the most, um, I don't even know the word. It's a right. barrier of entry is the easiest. Yeah. You're not, you're not getting, you're not you're not getting, getting punched in the you face. You have to be athletic. No. You can, there's belt systems. Yeah, there's belt different. Systems. You know, you can be older. Yeah. There is boxing. You come into boxing older. No, you can't. And you're athletic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're, you're 60 year old wanting to start boxing. Yeah. Or like uh, strike, or, cut, or like, you know, anything striking based. You got yeah. you do Muay Thai and you come yeah. in deconditioned at 45. Oh. You're going to get your legs lit on fire oh, and you're going to get knocked out. So, and you can't, you can't dial back the, yeah. The the intensity of the striking. Yeah, but yeah. jiu-jitsu, you can, and the good thing with jiu-jitsu is you can go hard and you're still fine. Yeah. Striking, yeah, yeah. if you go hard, oh, you go against the wrong guy, you're done. Yeah, you're done. and issues and problems. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, yeah. What what about in a um, street fight? What do you reckon is the best? You know what? I think, to be honest, I think, you, well, for one, in a street fight, you need to know how to strike. Yeah. You, it's not just going to be a grapple face. You need to know how to hit someone. First and foremost, and the thing is that people don't realize one on one straight fight. Yeah, one on one, one on one fight, one on fight straight. Yeah, 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 yeah. One on one, you need to know how to strike. But also, jujitsu will save your life in a street fight. But it will save your life if you know how to strike as well. Because the thing is, in jujitsu, think of it like this: in jujitsu, you are both willingly accepting to fight each other on the ground. In a street fight. If someone doesn't want to go to the ground, they're trying to stand up. Therefore, it changes the dynamic of your jiu-jitsu. You can't get your jiu-jitsu off if someone's trying to get up to their feet. You have to hold them in a different way, which that comes more down to wrestling and how well you are at pinning someone. In a street fight, it's if you do go to the ground, it's about pinning them. So, you know, if you're some great guard player, for instance, you're some jiu-jitsu wizard who, who's some great guard player, and in a street fight, you know, you start striking, you say someone cracks you. butt scooting. You, you get dropped. You, what are you going to do, butt scoot, close guard on the guy? He's going to drop elbows on your face. Yeah, yeah. He's punching you right now, yeah. you know? So I think in a street fight, Man, to be honest, if you've got hands, but I think you need to. If you've got hands, you need to be able to strike. You need to be able to – every fight starts on the feet, Mm. every fight. So you need hands, but then also you need to have some form of grappling in a sense of knowing how to pin someone down, which could be in a form of jujitsu depending on your style, Mm. which could be in a form of wrestling. But I would would go towards – you need to know how to strike and you need to know how to hold someone down, whether that's through jujitsu, whether that's – through wrestling, mm. that's what, yeah, you need to be doing, I reckon. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, in the jiu-jitsu belt system, how much merit, if, if this is just in straight grappling, do you give the, if someone's, for example, they go, oh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a brown belt and someone else is a blue, how much merit do you give to the, like, to the belts? As in, in a jiu-jitsu class environment? Just in general, like, you know, someone, um, not necessarily going like someone's a certain high level, yeah, yeah, yeah. international level Brown versus yeah, blue, yeah, no, yeah. like you know, just for the general layman's, how yeah. they hear, oh, someone's a, oh, this guy's a brown belt and you're a blue belt, so he must be able to beat the shit out of you and yeah, dominate you. What like are your thoughts on the on the sit on the? I feel like it's been watered down over mm. the years, man. Like to be honest, there's a lot of brown belts out there. There's a lot of black belts out there. Who be careful. Well, the thing is, right? You better not put my name in there. Well, the thing is, right? The thing is, right? Is I'm a small brown belt, so 
I know what if I roll with any guy who's a hundred kilos, yeah. no matter what fucking belt, white belt, not even a belt, day one, they give me a hard time. They're a hundred kilos. I'm yeah. only sixty six kilos. Yeah, I'll rinse them over some time limit, yeah. but it's gonna give me a hard time. Mm. I'm only so fucking big, mm. you know. Mm. So you know the belts thing. I feel like back in the day, if you were a brown belt in in especially in like Perth because jiu-jitsu took a long time to actually t- come and take off over here. It was a big deal. But now, man, it just seems like everyone's a fucking brown belt. Everyone's a purple belt. And I see the level that they're at. And I'm like, man, like, you're terrible. I think you really had to – the accessibility and techniques obviously yeah. better now, but I think yeah. the, the difficulty of progression oh, is easier. Yeah, easier. And, and I think is becoming more watered down. Yeah. And I think that's down. part of yeah. obviously I – mean, As it gets yeah, bigger. And the commercialization of it. Yeah. And you need to have something in place that rewards people. If yeah. things – you know, if it is just too hard, like yeah. what it was back in the day, yeah, it was – People quit. Yeah, people quit, and people need that. Yeah, um, you know that positive reaffirmation yeah. to end. Yeah, you know, and if and if they're training, you know, twice a week, they probably shouldn't ever no, ever no, progress. No, in no, the old ever. in the old the old no. way, it used to be people who did jujitsu. They're all like ex. Um, you know, kung fu guys or yeah. tough, like tough yeah. martial art guys, because yeah, yeah. there's no real no. MMA and that sort of stuff. Though, yeah. so they're all like hard, tough guys, and then they went into that, and it was so hard to probably even get your first belt, yeah. let alone go up to a purple belt yeah. or something like that. And I mean, the techniques were very, very basic then, but yeah. the the um, the level of difficulty, like you had to earn, yeah, you had to earn, and you're right. I feel like it is getting, even though you still get super, yeah, talented guys, and the guys that do go all in and they're training daily and that their, their level is much better than the old guys the old guys were tough yeah. um, but in general I think there's a much more watered down yeah for sure because um, like yeah jujitsu yeah exactly like it's it's I feel like if you train every day this is my take on jujitsu right or on how if I had a gym how I would grade people mm-hmm. you can train every day for like 10 years straight if you're still a bum you're still a bum. I'm not grading you. You <laughs> suck. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like regardless of the time you've put in. But the thing is, jiu-jitsu, if you have a good coach, jiu-jitsu should be such a pure martial art that if you are there every day, it's kind of one of those martial arts that you cannot get better. You you will just get better if you have the right coaching. Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like I think about even your coach, Will. Mm. Like if you train with Will every day for – like two years, mm. you cannot not get better. Of course, of course. Because he's such yeah. a great coach. Yeah, of course. And he will keep drilling you until you're at that. Of course, point. yeah, yeah. But I think now what happens is, you know, because the belts are giving out too easily, it's like the coach is kind of like, ah, oh, doesn't really matter. You know, he's put the time in, I'll give him the belt. But yeah. Like, no, fuck that. Yeah. Like, you know? And That's why I like beauty about striking sports is there's no belt system. Mm. And you rock up in the gym and it's just like, all right, you're either good or you're shit. Yeah. What are you? You know? You might be an amateur or pro. pro. That's, 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 that's it. That's it. But that's even it. then. But even then, there's, yeah, even yeah, then, of course. It's like people think amateur boxing is like, oh, you're only an amateur nah, boxer. It's nah. like, no, 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 sorry. We have amateur is technically Olympic boxing, mm. and then we have professional boxing. What's the difference? Well, the difference is Olympic boxing, they fight over three minutes, and they fight at a much higher pace, three three-minute rounds mm. at a much higher pace, mm. like a fucking high pace. Mm. Whereas professionals <coughs> will coast a bit more and they'll fight 12 
um, three-minute rounds. That's and, the difference. And most of the guys in boxing that are the elite world champions have had pretty long amateur, amateur careers. Course. They haven't got they haven't 100%. got put they haven't got put into pushed no. into pros too quickly. And they've no. all got. I mean, Lomachenko had four hundred oh. saying fights. Yeah, yeah. You know, even yeah. like Anthony Joshua, yeah. he's like gold medalist yeah. In, yeah. as an amateur. Yeah. I mean, even Deontay Wilder yeah. was a bronze medalist yeah. as an amateur. I mean, you got um, so many of these guys had just because they learned that fu- foundation so well. Yeah. As soon as they flip over to pros, yeah. they start just smoking yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to like, guys get yeah, even in my gym growing up, like back in the day, um, you know, used to talk about pro boxing and stuff, and like all the guys, all the coaches watch pro boxing, as in like in America, the top name guys. But when whenever we'd speak about pro boxing or going pro one day, they're like, "Why the fuck would you do that for? To beat some bums? Why would you do that? Yeah. What, what, what would you do that for? Who are you gonna fight? Like, where are you gonna go with it? Mm. At least the amateurs you go to the Olympic Games, which I think they've changed the rules now. But even with them changing the rules. The pros never make it to the Olympic Games. The amateurs are on the another level. Mm, right? mm. Like, and it, and once again, it shouldn't even be amateur pro. It should be Olympic boxing and professional boxing mm. because that's truly what it is. They're both a professional sport, really. Mm. It's just one's called amateur boxing and one's called professional boxing. Mm. But I reckon, man, like the top amateurs um, in the country, when they go pro, they dominate. They like quick. They quick. They mm. fast track. Oh to yeah, the top, big time. Big you know, time. Because they've done. They've fought all the and, – and not only that, in the amateur boxing, you can't pick and choose fights. Yeah. You all nominate, you all weigh in. It's like, all right, this guy is your weight. You're fighting him On the tonight. Day. Yeah, yeah. You're fighting there's him no tonight. Preparation. No, there's no yeah. prep. It's like, all yeah. right, you rock up to the comp. They do the draw, draw of the hat. All right, this is the division. You're fighting him, him, and him. And you're forced to get better and you're forced mm. to fight. You can't dodge each other. Pro boxing, what, you got like, you know, eight weeks. And there's nothing against pro boxing. Yeah. You know, I'm not digging. I'm just saying the differences, you know, yeah. and why I think that the amateurs are harder because – yeah, you don't get to choose who you're going to fight. You, know? mm. you don't have the negotiations. It's just you rock up and you fight. Yeah. yeah. In terms of what we're doing here with the Blokes Lab, it's really about trying to um, as well provide a more positive form in terms of masculinity and integrating different things like physical, mental, spiritual, financial, and social health to sort of help help men become more empowered in that respect. So in terms of when you hear the word masculinity, what is it sort of um, – what's your sort of definition of it? Or what, how do you – how does it sort of resonate? What, what do you sort of think about? I think that um, first and foremost, um, masculinity goes way back. Like when I think of the word masculinity, I think going <coughs> way back, way back to the, you know, the warrior, the hunter-gatherer. This is what men have done for thousands of years and it might offend some people – but that's what they've done. Mm. And that's what you think about, like, thousands of years of conditioning like that. Now that we live in a civilised environment, civilized. too civilised, way too civilised, mm. right? Mm. Like, all of those survival instincts and, 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 and like, um, you know, warrior instincts that we have aren't just going to disappear, you mm. know? It's like... Animals now, it's like we don't go out and kill our own animals anymore. Mm. So a lot of that stuff's done behind closed doors. So we might be walking around feeling a sense of anxiety, but that's probably because back in the day when you're walking through the jungle, you got to be on edge because there's mm. a fucking tiger about to eat you, mm. you know? So for me, masculinity just means, yeah, like, um, you know, it just takes me back to thinking about, like, what would a, how would a hunter-gatherer go out and, um, like, you know, like hunt and gather the food and provide for their family, but also like masculine for, for the tribe. Mm. Yeah. And also um, masculinity obviously has like a lot of um, levels to it as well. You know, it's not, mm. it's not just about that, but it's about, you know, being a good father, 
being a good listener, being a good leader also. Um, yeah, and, and just providing and, and showing like your 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 children um, like the the correct way to, you know, do things and stuff like that and, and, and so being a guide. Yeah, being a guide for them. Yeah. 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 What's one thing you think um, men can do to improve their lives? Just to finish off. I think in general, um, yeah, if they need to – everyone needs to do something. All the men need to – like men need to do things that are hard. Like I feel like we are stimulated mm. in different ways than women are, right? Um, we need – hard things keep us alive, keep us feeling invigorating. And I feel like when a man, when a man stops – pushing themselves in some form of way. And that's not only through training, but just in general stops pushing themselves. That's when they feel empty and that's when they start having depression and, you know, all these other issues coming along. I think as a man, it's very important to have a sense of purpose and guidance and direction and know where you want to go and things that you want to do. And, um, yeah, just keeping your ego in check, you know, like, um, yeah, keeping yourself accountable, you know, like, um, having people around you that are going to tell you the things maybe that you don't want to hear, things like that. Just, you know, making sure that you surround yourself with people who are going to hold you accountable. Um, and, yeah, this I feel like there's too many men these days that are too soft. Mm. They're, they're all too soft. Mm. You know, they're, um, yeah, they're, 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 they're not. You think about what a hunter-gatherer would look like back in the day. How many men look like that these days? You know what I mean? So, on a physical level, they need to be pushing themselves, but also on a mental level too and a spiritual level. Mm. They need to have all of them things in check. So, yeah, in general, just, um, yeah, just trying to be a good leader for other men and, um, yeah, just being a good role model in general. Um, and do things uh, that challenge you. Yeah, do yeah. things that challenge yeah. you day yeah. to day. You yeah. need to do some sort of, sort of challenge because – Men at their core have always done challenging things. You think going out back in the day would have been to walk in the park, go on and fucking chase an animal down and kill it. So, you know, you need to have these type uh, things in your life that, that keep you challenged, you know, mm. whether like challenging physically, challenged mentally, challenged spiritually, mm. um, so that all those things are in check. But, um, yeah, pretty cool. much, yeah, yeah, keep yourself honest. Um yeah, if there's anything you want to add to that. Yeah. Oh, we can add that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah. It's, yeah. it's, you know, we wanted to share your, your thing. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So thank you for uh, going deep in a few different areas, uh, Cody, as well. Right. So, um, yeah, I think in closing off, yeah, appreciate your time that's coming right, on today was, uh, and some insight and, so and, and with, and with someone who can really, um, you know, it's good to have a, a young guy who's in, in your career who's actually started go on that journey yep. and not waited till he was much older yeah. to start oh, yeah. and going through a lot more pain to go through that journey. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. That's fine. Um, There's not many athletes that have done what he has done. Like no. He's yep. consciously deciding. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Dana White, make uh, one spot free. <laughs> You'll yeah. see Perth. Hey, <laughs> Dana White. Hey, if there's a pullout, I'm fuck. on. Yeah. <laughs> Light heavyweight, heavyweight, who gives Doesn't a fuck? Matter. He's on. He's ready. He's ready. Give me the call. I'm 10 minutes away. Yeah. I'll rock up on the day. Beautiful. Awesome. Right. Cool. Thank yeah, you, ma'am. Um, and good luck guys. for uh, the rest of your career. Thank you. Cool. Thank you. Thanks.